um, your meals being served. We are now set to begin the coaching call for April 2020. And I really, really welcome you excitedly um, to the coaching call this night. It's going to be a great time. I am working at keeping this for maybe about an hour to an hour and a half at the most. So at the latest, you should be out of here maybe about 10.45 today. Um, and let us see how much we can achieve and get done in the time that we have together. Um, yeah. So I said to you that I will be working with the questions that have been asked by a number of students in the inner circle over a period. By the way, I must say to you that I will also be putting some of the questions together into a manual that I'm just going to share with you. Um, some of my own answers to the questions into a manual I'll share with you. But I'm just going to be unpicking a few. And in the last maybe about 30, 20, 30 minutes to the end of the session, I'm just going to allow you to put out your own questions um, if you have some of them to share with us. And we'll see how far we can go with that. Um, so I'm just going to kick off with some of the questions that I know come again and again to us. And we'll see how that is going to um, look on your side. And if some of the answers I give will also provide clarity for you. The first question I want to treat here says, what do you do when you feel discouraged and unmotivated to achieve your goals? So you're facing discouragement and you don't know how to tide over that period or that uh, season of your life to now begin to get back into your goals and experience a new wave of motivation. And that's, that's a great question to start with because we all experience those seasons of, you know, losing steam, losing motivation, losing encouragement, yeah, happens to the best of us. So what do you do when you start to feel discouraged and unmotivated to achieve your goals? Uh, first thing I would say is we have to be certain about the kind of goals that we set. Now, there are um, there are different reasons why people don't achieve their goals. And I shared extensively about this uh, during the uh, 90-day life upgrade webinar. By the way, people have asked me again and again why that is not a standalone course I'm selling and I'm considering it. But my primary motivation for putting out knowledge is, is not to earn transactional value from knowledge. I want to earn transformational value from knowledge. And what that means is if 1 million people in the course of year 2020, particularly on the continent of Africa, have access to my materials and use them to transform their lives, they are going to, of their own accord, reach me and they will bless me with their spoils, right? I don't have to do anything about it. It's just going to happen. And I've seen that happen in the last five years of my life. I've received alerts that made me, my husband and my children, literally quick and i'm not kidding in thousands of dollars in thousands of pounds so people ask me all the time why do you give so many things out for free it's because primarily my funding model and my economy is a high economy i am a child of the sovereign wealth and sometimes god gives me um revenue from work i haven't even done right so i cannot pretend like what i'm building i'm basically building um, out of the income that I'm directly earning. Of course, the income is a blessing, is great, and you should learn to charge for the value that you deliver, but I don't want you to be fixated. I want you to, and I've not even started answering the question, but I do believe this is a word for someone, and that is why I get to open that way. 
So if you, um, let me put up one of these things I have on because it's now getting really cold on my side. So um, I don't even know why I said that, but I believe that, you know, is, is a value for someone. So people ask me a lot, why do I have a lot of free, free materials? And I've not even started. I'm still going to have full module by module programs that will be available for free forever for so many people. And my reason is because when you get transformed by the knowledge that I share, right, you, there are so many people who are going to be back and who are going to give you not transactional value, meaning they're not going to pay you to the degree of what, um, what the, uh, the worth of that material was, but the degree that it transforms them. So they're not just going to say, take this $1,000 because that's what, it, what, what you put as the charge for this particular program. They're going to say, take a million dollars because I have now become so blessed and you triggered the transformation in my life. So I'm ready to also, um, you know, be a blessing back to you. I believe that's a word for someone. And I want you to keep it in mind. We are now in the knowledge economy and um, whatever you've been called to do, you have to, you have to see how what you're building also is created within the context of, um, um, the context of transformation, the context of change, and we're going to deliver a lot of transformation and a lot of change through, you know, uh, putting out knowledge. But don't be so fixated on monetizing everything that you, you're putting out there because there's a bigger agenda and it's the agenda of thought leadership. You want to ultimately become the go-to person in your sector and in your industry. And that is not just about earning, uh, you know, income from your courses, your books, or your materials. And yeah, I don't know why I said that, but... That's a good way to start off. Okay, so let's now get into this question. When I was um, taking you through the 90-day life upgrade webinar, I told you, I shared with you a number of reasons that goals fail. Now, I want to streamline to, uh, to three big reasons why you might get discouraged pursuing your goals that you have to fix before we talk about if it's a right goal, how do I get back on the race, okay? It's possible you've set your goals right, but you still get discouraged and demotivated. But I want you to take out three big things from your goal-setting process so that you can accomplish them. Because if you set goals that are difficult to accomplish, you're going to be discouraged and you're going to be demotivated. So if I teach you first about sustaining motivation on the wrong goal, you are still not going to get results. So let's start with the goals themselves. Don't forget one of the question, if I feel discouraged and unmotivated to achieve my goals, what do I do? Let's start with the goals. There are three things I want you to take out of your goal setting process so that you do not frustrate yourself and constantly get discouraged. There are possibly more, but let me start with the three top on my mind that I see many people failing at again and again. Right? The first one I want you to take out of your goal setting process is stop setting goals that are um, more than 30% out of your locals of control. Any goal that you set that is not within 70% of your locals of control is very likely to fail and you're going to get frustrated. So do not set a goal that significantly requires other people's input, intervention, agreement right and execution for it to be accomplished so if you continue to set goals that depend significantly on other people's approval other people's input other people's partnership 
other people's money, resources, and all of those things for it to be accomplished or simply just their agreement, then you could get frustrated. So for example, it's tough to say my goal this year is to have a better marriage. That's a very tough goal to set because it takes two to tango, but you can say, I'm going to be a better wife, right? I'm going to play my part for us to move closer um, in the direction of communication and intimacy. I'm going to be a better communicator. I'm going to be more vulnerable in my marriage relationship. That is how you set a marriage goal that is going to be within the locus of your control. So you cannot just say, I want to have a better marriage or I want to have date nights with my husband um, 10 times a month. If he's not, you know, if, if he's not in agreement or in alignment or yielded or his impute is not recognized uh, in that process, it's very likely to fail, right? So take your locus of control very seriously and go back to review your goals and be certain that um, a lot of the imputes required for success are within your control. The second big thing I want you to pay attention to is the timeline uh, reality. I want you to be realistic as far as the timeline for executing your goal is concerned. So if you say, I want to lose 20 kg in three months, the timeline you have, the goal of losing 20 kg is possible, but the timeline might be a bit unrealistic. If you say, I want to, um, if I want to write my first book in 30, I want to launch my first book in 30 days, it might be unrealistic if you've not written a book before and you've not cracked your unique creative cycle when you're, you are your finest, when your juice, is, uh, your juice is flowing the most, right? Or when you have the liberty of time to be quiet and to document the thoughts on your mind. So pay attention to be realistic with your, uh, the timelines that you set with your goals. Or else, as time begins to draw near, you're going to get frustrated, you're going to get discouraged. It's better to say in three months, this is what I intend to cover in the bigger picture. I want to earn a million dollars in three years. So I'm going to say I want to earn $300,000 in a year. Or for, do you see whatever it is you're, you're working out for, but set goals that are within your locus of control, at least to the degree of 70%, set goals that have realistic timelines, right? And then number three, uh, you know, start to recognize and celebrate small wins. And this is just the first part to how I want to help you get out of discouragement or, or demotivation as far as your goals are concerned. Get your goal setting process right. So this third one is like the biggest winner in my own personal life. And I see it giving me so much results. I am the queen of small win celebrations. I don't wait till um, I get to the end of the ultimate goal before I celebrate. So I'm going to give you an example. Last year, January, I wanted to transit from running an email-based coaching company, which at that time had reached almost maybe like 7,500 to 10,000 people. Yeah, almost 10,000 people had gone through whether a free course or a paid course with, at the time, we used to be called uh, Immerse Academy for Women. So we wanted to, and then we transited and we became an Immerse Coaching Company. January 2019, I, I said I wanted us to transit um, to become now a membership-based, a subscription-based membership company um, so that, yeah, we could do something like this, have all of us in one space and put all the courses out into that space as against asking you to pay one by one for different courses, okay? So that's how we started to work on it. And the timeline we set for ourselves was to open up this membership by June 2000 and, uh, 2019. 
But I said by March 2019, I wanted to run a free course that will reach 5,000 women. And then of the 5,000, I would like to have a minimum of 10% sign on to the inner circle, okay? And we actually went ahead and created that course. It was called Ignition Intensive. Powerful, brilliant. I loved it. It worked. It was powerful. And from, I remember that day when I went into the studio with Moradeon to record that very first video. When we came out, you know, we went to an itch and we enjoyed ourselves. We were high-fiving. We were so excited. Nothing was material yet as to the end goal of opening the membership in, in June. But in that, as at that match, because we could get into the studio and record that first video, we celebrated it. I remember super clearly, you know, I'd done my makeup, put on wig, my heart was beating. I was like, who's even going to really listen to this thing? Doesn't make any sense. But right, we had maybe almost 7,000 women sign up for that course. And I, I'm just saying that you need to start to celebrate your small wins and you need to integrate that willingness to recognize your milestones, right? Into your goal setting process. So when you're setting goals, you need to start to learn to say, um, this is the ultimate point I'm headed. But what will I see along the way that convinces me that, you know, I'm, in the right, I'm on the right path. And you want to start to celebrate that. That is how people lose it successfully. Every time they weigh in every two weeks, they would celebrate the one kg, even though ultimately they're still trying to lose 15 kg, right? So this exactly, I love that. Olada is sharing how she went out on a launch date with her team. It's a powerful thing, right? And it definitely helps you to stay motivated. So that's about the goal setting process. And that is concept one. I'm going to share with you two more concepts in broad terms that can keep you motivated on your journey to your goal right? The second thing I believe you should pay a lot of attention to is, a, um, is, is the understanding of your personal power, your personal dynamics, how you're wired. This is going to become one of the most important intelligence that you're going to acquire in your life. Your, your self-intelligence is actually more important than the understanding of the project, the understanding of the audience you want to serve, and of all the competencies and the skills you are going to need to acquire as you go on in your life, um, as a visionary in your business, in your marriage with parenting, as a single woman on your project, whatever it is you want to do, the biggest intelligence you must start to acquire is actually an intelligence of your personal power, of your personal wiring, what makes you who you are. And every time that I sit with a woman who doesn't know herself, I just see a person who is not going to be able to unwrap and un un unveil um, you know, the, the, the fullness of her potential. The true definition, um, the true, um, the, the true, uh, what's the word, measure of, of your potential is very connected to the measure of your self-intelligence and your self-knowledge. Because it is until you begin to know yourself that you know what you are wired to accomplish and then you can reorganize the structure around your life to help you release your best self. Now, let me just decompose this and bring it home a bit more. If you are going to stay motivated, encouraged, energized, you must understand such things as, number one, your energy cycle, right? Now, people think, people have been in, a, in seasons of their lives when they had driven themselves too hard and they had sapped out their energy so badly that they actually thought they were experiencing a depression. So if you don't understand how your energy cycles work and how you must, um, what are they called now again, what your um, energy boosters are, what your energy triggers are, 
the things that weaken you, the things that strengthen you, you are very likely to mismanage your ability to fulfill your vision. So people can look at me and think that I'm constantly maybe just so charged and so energetic and all of that, but that's not true. I know the early signs, and it still happened maybe like a week ago. I know the early signs of pushing myself too much and becoming overwhelmed, and, and I totally don't even want to get out of bed. And the moment I start to, and my own first sign is I start to think of work in the middle of my sleep. You know, you know there is a twilight zone of sleep where you are not fully awake and you're, and you're not fully asleep. When I'm in that early zone where you are not yet fully awake, but all that is buzzing on my mind is my to-do list. I know that I'm pushing myself too far again and I need to back off and replenish my energy. So your personal intelligence is your responsibility. You need to know your energy cycle. You need to know the people that speak the right words to your mind. You need to know the atmosphere you create that helps you be charged again. I need silence. I need the right fragrance. I need to be alone by myself and I will create Every time I have solitude, silence, music, great fragrance, right? And I'm well hydrated. I'm going to create epic stuff. So you need to know um, what type of atmosphere you, you create around your life that actually gets you going. You need to understand those kind of things. What are my strengths? What's my personality like? What was my energy cycle? What are my power circle? What's my power circle or my power relationships, the things that just charge me and make me want to go for gold in my life. You have to recognize that and you use it to shape how you organize your life, right? A third thing I believe you should really pay attention to as far as um, managing your motivation is concerned is to leverage your support system. Now, it's possible that you might be in a season of your life where you feel like you don't have a lot of relationships and if that is true, it's not a problem. One of the masterclasses that we recorded um, recently with Marenike Molen was around um, how to build a power circle, how to have, you know, how to intentionally grow the right relationships in your life, right? Um, from DDK's teachings, your energy circle are like your hand. Okay, Dorica is asking, is there a difference between your energy circle? No. Okay, she said energy circle and power circle. Now, Energy cycle, C-Y-C-L-E. Power circle, C-I-R-C-L-E. So energy cycle speaks to two things. At a micro level, at the smaller level, your energy cycle speaks to when you are at your best. For example, knowing when you are at your best on a daily basis. Some people are morning people. Some people are evening people. Do you see? That's your energy cycle. I'm at my best in the middle of the night. Anything from 11 to like 4 a.m., boom. Like my mind is open. It's, it's, it's just so awake, right? Some people are their best later in the afternoon. Some people are their best in the evenings, right? So that's on a macro level what energy cycles speak about. On a macro level, when you're not speaking around seasons of life, you might find a season of life, you're pumped up, you're energized. It could be a month. It could be a few weeks. You are just so go, go, go. You are you're strong, you're powerful, and you now find a new season opening up and you just feel like you're overwhelmed and you can't do it again. When you get to a time when you're feeling overwhelmed and you can't do it again, my question for you is, do you, are you, are you self-intelligent enough to know how to rev up yourself again? Do you see? Because we don't think about ourselves in the con within the context of machinery. 
but there's a part of human wiring that is almost like a machinery. And when you think about the human system, how intertwined many things are from your digestive system to your nervous system, right, to your hormones and different parts of your wiring come together in almost like an organized formation that is almost like a machinery, right? So if you think about machines, for example, when it begins to make a sound, you know it needs to be serviced. Your self-intelligence means that when you begin to make a sound, when you're doing crack, 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 do you know what it means to oil yourself? What, what, what are your oiling system? What's your servicing system, right? Once every month until the COVID, COVID outbreak, I will take myself to a hotel for a few days. And when I don't get to do it a month, it will be like the next month again. And I'll just take myself away for a few days. Of course, I couldn't do that until maybe like the last one year because, yeah, there's been sufficient lifestyle change that can now afford me taking myself to a five-star hotel. And I'll be there Thursday to Saturday sometimes. And then I will think about um, going on a vacation, right? And those things sponsor newness. And when I can't even leave my house, I know how to create a retreat atmosphere, right? Do you see? So self-intelligence means I know how to rev up myself. Um, I know how to heal myself. I know how to restore my lost energy. I know the kind of people, the kind of atmosphere, the kind of music, the kind of materials, and the kind of affirmations that get me back on my feet again. And that's a question I want you to privately document and ask yourself genuinely because it's a key tool for staying motivated. And then I was talking about discover to recover. Hmm. Uluwashio Adeogun says discover to recover 2020. Okay. And the third thing I was sharing with you is around your support system. This one is super key. Every time I get asked, how do you do all these things that you do? One of the things I say, um, beyond the fact that I feel like God has just put a lot of grace on my life, and I won't be lazy with what he's giving to me to serve the world. But having said that, I do have a very powerful support system. And I don't want you to think that, well, my case is different. I don't know anyone who can help me. I want to tell you three things that can open your mind in a new way um, as far as accessing your support system is concerned. Number one, you have existing alliances and existing relationships that you might just need to repurpose to serve a different um, you to serve a different utility in your life, right? Sometimes we get overwhelmed and we get discouraged and demotivated on our goals because, well, you're the one carrying all the burdens and you don't have the needed infrastructure of people that can also lift your hands and help you. And it doesn't mean you're going to have everything you need immediately, but you can be intentional to build those relationships. So number one, there's something called repurposing of friendships. You have people around you. And maybe in the past, you've just made them high, high friends, or you've just made them gossip padida. I see what happened on Instagram. That's how that girl, she was opening her boobs, saying, hey, now, wow. Right? And you want to begin to repurpose that existing relationship. People you know in church, people you know in your community, people you work with, people um, who have volunteered on a project together with you, people who are together within a WhatsApp group that you belong to. You can start to repurpose those relationships. And one of the ways you do it is when you find a person who is speaking your language or who's working on something. Someone says she can't hear me. Can you guys hear me, please? If you can't just put in the chat so that I'm aware that we're still together. Can you hear me? Fantastic. Okay. So it's possibly Shola's network. Okay. Shola, so you want to maybe check your network and um, dive right back in. So first thing I would encourage if you 
you're looking to grow your support system is to repurpose existing relationships. People who are already in your space, you can start to say, um, since you seem passionate about education, I'm also passionate about education. How can we work together? How can we support ourselves, right? Or you can speak to existing relationships that you have and say, I do need help in this area. Some of us don't know how to ask for help. You think that you're cool like that, but you're going to be so stressed out if you don't know how to ask for help, right? A second thing I say is upskill your staff members, your interns, and your volunteers. Let them be able to do more for you. Don't carry everything on your head. If you don't know how to delegate, it's your fault. And if you don't delegate, you're going to get demotivated, right? So upskill your team members. Let them be able to do more. If someone is handling your social media and you are constantly frustrated that they're putting out very funny types of messages that don't align to your brand um, perception, then train them, send them on a course, you know, and model what you want them to do for you. You know, yeah. I would also say become intentional. Join memberships, networks, associations, bodies, right? And when you get on that WhatsApp group, don't be a monitoring spirit. You are only permitted to be a monitoring spirit if you have reached a height in your life where you have everything you need in relationships. If not, you pay attention to what people are saying because writing their stories are the answers you are looking for. So you can't be a monitoring spirit and be like, I'm too busy. You are busy doing what? But you are stressed out doing what you're doing, right? So sometimes I, I, I take courses so I can have access to mentors and I can have access to the people that are in their own network. And that's all. And you are present. You're making contributions because you want to elevate the, the value of relationships or the quality of relationships. Um, it's that, all knocking. Ah, wow. Nobody's knocking, no. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I keep trying to put on mute. Apologies, guys, but I'm working at it. Um, so, yeah, I think that I spent so long a time on that particular question, but it's a question that came again and again and again, right? The other thing I would say to you is go on to the, the model of the the course called Manufacture Your Motivation is going to really help you with the question that you've asked, um, asked here. And I hope that what I shared um, you know, is of some value um, for you. But this question came up a lot, and I do hope that um, it's useful. Let me take a dive at this particular question that someone has asked here. Um, let me look for it. How do I stay focused on my purpose in spite of slow manifestation? How do I stay focused on my purpose in spite of slow manifestation? Well, you have to recognize primarily that on the visionary path, and that is why you should join on Bundling 2020, guys, there's an instrumental payment plan. And I'm going to put the link you know, out to you in an email subsequently. No kidding. I don't even know how to market this thing because it's a revolution. It's big. And anyone who is in can just really testify. Anolua says she can't hear me. Um, I think, what should she do, guys? Please let me put it in the chat for her. Anolua um, can't hear me, and maybe it's not her network, so help me guide her. Anyway, um, you should get on Unbonding 2020. This person has said, how do I stay focused on my purpose, on my vision, in spite of slow manifestation? So um, there's something called the visionary path. The visionary path is like a, it's almost like a chronological face-by-face -face journey that you take from one step to the other on the, on, on your, on, on, on the curve of your vision, 
on the path of your vision as you step into a life of vision from the moment you discover that there's a calling there's an assignment there's a vision god has given you there's something he wants you to do from that moment on as you go on that journey of serving that purpose fulfilling that vision it is face by face what we usually think happens to us is from the moment god gives us the vision we are already seeing the glory ahead and we're just like i will follow you oh my god this thing is going to blow have you ever seen a person when they pick a nice idea a nice business idea you're just driving in traffic and you're seeing a lot of people buying popcorn and you're just like wow popcorn this thing will sell now and you start to count cars you're like in one hour i counted 99 cars on this this Fallowmore road wow 99 in one hour just on Fallowmore. let's multiply that you now start doing your calculations you calculate 1.2 million people on nigerian roads and you tell yourself, even if it's just one percent of that i have every day of 1.2 million people one percent of that is still twelve thousand people every single day Let's say I sell it five times a week. That's 60,000 people times four. That's 240,000 people. Imagine they buy it at 100 naira. That's 2.4 million. You are just doing your calculation. What? Your mind is blown. You're like, ah, multi-maker. Everybody does that. You're just calculating. You don't understand the terrain. You don't understand the visionary path. You don't understand the undulating nature of that market, right? So from the moment we have a word that we receive or we have an idea that we now begin to understand to be a vision from God, we just feel like it's going to blow. It's not going to blow until it has blown you. The vision must blow you first. Like, because the person who receives the vision and the person who accomplishes it are two separate people. So my answer to you is heeding in the visionary path, right? At the beginning of the journey, you actually start off um, seeing, you see the vision and you know, it really excites you. You feel like this thing is going to blow, like I'm the man for the job, right? It's, it's big on your mind. You are super excited about it. You are still at the seeing phase and that's the phase everybody loves the most. It's the phase we are super gingered about, right? We start off with discoveries, insights, um, let me see if I can actually share this particular page with you. Let me, let me look for how I can do that for you. Um, let's see if I can make a go at sharing this particular screen with you. Where is what I'm looking for? Okay, let's share screen so that I can just teach you this particular one. Um, can I see it here? Okay. So let me see if I am already sharing the screen. Just confirm to me if I'm sharing the screen. Can you see it yet? Confirm to me, write it over if you can see the screen. Let me know, put it on the chat. Can you see? Okay, you can see it. Let's see, I wonder why it's not picking it. Um, let's see. I'm on it, and if I don't get to get it, I'm just okay. Let's... 
PDK, you are muted. Oh, we can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes, thank you. Fantastic. Yes, ma'am. So um, you are the scene phase here. This is where discoveries happen. This is where many people are when they already start to call themselves visionaries. This is where they are when they start off with their big assignment and they create an Instagram page and you know they're talking a lot about what they're working on. They necessarily are still just at the first phase. And this, you aren't manifesting yet, even though you are going to see signs all around you. And it's going to feel like, wow, God has called me and I'm here to do great things. But you're still at a very, um, a very, you know, very fresh state of, of that visionary path. So it's where you are seeing, you are having insights, God is speaking to you, you're dreaming, big ideas are coming to your mind about the education sector or hospitality or construction. Your business idea is building. And then you gradually start to move to the serving stage and you begin to taste what might be the very first sign of manifestation. At the serving stage is where you start to get the opportunity to really start that business, to launch that book, to open up that coaching assignment, right? And this is where you are carrying from what you've received um, and you now gradually begin to work with it. You're serving with your talent, you are getting opportunities, you are gradually becoming announced, right? Popularity is growing, you're getting productive, you're earning because you're trading value for value, okay? Um, after this stage, you find yourself moving on into the shedding stage where there are disruptions and surprises, pains, attacks, betrayal, setbacks. And all of a sudden, it begins to look as though God didn't even send you. And you start to doubt what you received in the beginning. You start to feel like, um, you know, am I really on the right path? That happens to anyone who is going to go far. Um, and, you know, there are big signs under each of these that, you know, my students in the Unbundling 2020 know about. And from that point, you come to stewarding. And, you know, it's a whole new level of credibility and character and platforms and then you move into significance where there's affluence and influence it's a place of legacy and fatherhood and you ultimately become um, an institution but here is where I am going I'm glad to be back with you and I'm seeing your pretty faces again all right so this is where I'm going it's possible that you are just at the um, at the seeing stage right when you start to wonder if if you're wondering why you are not manifesting. Someone said the picture was blurry. Oh gosh. So the picture wasn't clear. It wasn't clear. I'm so sorry. Don't yes, worry. Ma. Don't worry. I'll put the, um, the, oh gosh, let me make an attempt to go back at it. And if it's going to be better, but I would also put that particular slide up to sort of trigger your mind again. Let's see. Okay, is the picture clear? 
So I'm going to stop the share now. Um, and I mean, I can provide insight as I continue the conversation so that I, I want to make an attempt to try maybe like three to five questions before we close today. So it's possible that the season of life you're in, the, the stage you are on the visionary path, it's still too early for you to see enormous manifestations yet. If you are the seeing or the saving stage, if you are at the seeing stage or the early phase of the saving stage on the visionary path, you might not begin to see manifestations. So what I'm saying to you is when you start out and God begins to give you counsel and thoughts, ideas are forming, you are researching, you are building your business plan, it is possible that you will not even start to see manifestation. You might start to put out stuff, but you are not yet an entity. You are not yet a force, right? In the equation yet. Um, let me try to open up the, what am I supposed to be looking for? Sorry, I want to, I want to put everyone on mute again. Um, let me see where my participants, okay. I'm putting it on mute for those who just joined us. Okay, that's what I've done. Ho hopefully helps. Right? So if you are at the beginning of your visionary journey, you might actually not start to see manifestations yet. If you are at the center of your visionary journey, meaning that you've seen clearly, you've started to run with it, you've started to grow a following, your products are moving, things are working, but you are going to get to a shedding stage. At that shedding stage, a disruption happens. It happens to every visionary. And what was working before seems like it's not working again. Do you understand? I've been admitting, um, for those of you who are allotting me to admit people, I have been doing that. So it depends on the stage you are in your vision. And that's what's going to be a determinant of the level of manifestation you're experiencing. So that's the first thing I would say about that. If you are going through a disruption, if God is um, working on your character, if, if God is trying not to make you put your trust in the business or in the vision or in the, in the career and how it's growing, you can experience a painful setback and it's all in the plan. That's a possibility, that's number one. Number two is if you don't have a real understanding, an accurate understanding of what manifestation really means, then the likelihood is very high that you are going to be manifesting, but you're not going to know. Let me tell you three kinds of manifestations that we do not pay attention to and are powerful types of manifestation. While I drink water, put in the chat box if you're ready for it. Three kinds of manifestation you hardly recognize to be manifestations. Okay, looks like um, I have sufficient proof that you're ready for it, right? Number one, the first kind of manifestation that could be happening in your life. Someone said she was born ready. A first type of manifestation that could be happening in your life as a sign that your vision is being recognized as a force on the earth, even though it hasn't started to give you money. 
and it hasn't started to get you awards because people do like to be recognized and validated and they want to be mentioned as the so-and-so in their industry, right? But the first sign that your vision has started to manifest is a change in the way you think. If you actually begin to see yourself like a leader in your sector, right? You're not just seeing yourself like a trader who is transacting. You've started to, to look at your space and you're looking out for solutions in that space. And you're saying, how can we do better? You are having this more, um, it's called like a body consciousness, not physical body, a body consciousness, a, a global consciousness, not at the level of globe in terms of Africa, the whole world. But you're looking at that industry. You're not just thinking about yourself. You're thinking macro. How can we fix this education space? Or you're a coach and you're saying, how can we regulate this coaching industry? If those thoughts have started to enter your mind, the likelihood is very high that manifestation is already happening to you. You've already started to see yourself as a leader among leaders. So if you're experiencing a change in self-perception, as far as that vision is concerned, manifestation has started to happen. Number two, if you start to attract and enter and gain access to relationships with people who, who you used to look at way ahead of you in your path, in your sector, in your industry, in your sphere. If your influence is growing and you are getting into quarters that you were excluded from before, even if you haven't really started to earn, then manifestation has started to happen. Do you understand this? So you're experiencing a change of self-perception. You're experiencing a change of relationships, especially in that sector you've been sent to. All of a sudden, people that you used to really look up to like, wow, they're doing amazing. You are in the same space with them, right? You are, you're sharing conversations with them. That is, that is manifestation happening. You might not yet be having a public platform, but you're already having a private platform. And that is usually a door opener to a public platform and is very powerful, right? If you're having new ideas, that you have not even started working on, but are entering your mind as solutions to existing problems in your space, that is manifestation happening, right? Because how we start out is we have a cornerstone seed or a cornerstone idea that we enter a space with or a set of ideas. But when the ideas that you initially have or had get built up, layered up upon, if you are experiencing an unending stream of inspiration, that means you are still the person for the job. Do you understand this? So some people might be out there, maybe even more popular than you, but their time is rounding up and they do not even know because they found a David for them. But if you are continuing to experience fresh ideas flowing you know, as answers to a pressing problem in your industry, then you're manifesting. And you have to recognize these three things because there are signs that you are still in the game. You're still relevant. You're still going to be used. So I would say pay attention to your visionary season. Recognize where you are on the path and understand the different things that happen um, on that path and let it shape what you are expecting and what you believe can happen for you, right? And then pay attention to other signs of manifestation beyond the physical sign of money or platform or growing influence, right? The third and final thing I will say to you is even while you are focusing on your assignment and the purpose that has been revealed to you, 
serve another person's assignment, serve another person's vision. There's usually someone who has gone ahead of you. And when you find them, it's important you also serve because you are preparing for your own manifestation while you get a chance to see the inside workings of how vision is, is manifested and is accomplished, right? And you don't have to pay for that program. It's a free internship because if you say, I want to volunteer, I want to serve, and you get a chance to get into somewhere, that's a fantastic opportunity for you to go. And I hope that that has been useful. Okay, someone is asking here, um, how, can I, how can a woman live a balanced life without trading the things that matter the most for her or to her? How can a woman live a balanced life without trading the things that matter the most to her? And I feel like that is such a supremely powerful question. Um, I love you very much. So how do you live a balanced life without trading the things that matter the most to you? Number one, you need to know the things that matter the most to you. So before we talk about balance, we have to talk about compass. Before we talk about compass, we have to talk about the true north, right? So what I mean by that is, if you want to be balanced, it means you're seeking an anchor. You are seeking, you are seeking a center that holds so that whether you move to this side or to that side, you're not going to swerve away from what matters the most in your life. That's what you desire. And I believe, um, yeah, I believe that that's what this person is asking. You don't want to create the things that matter the most. So you want an anchor so that whether you, if life shifts you to this side or to that side, okay, I'm going to have to mute again for the new people who join us. So you're basically saying, whether life turns to this side or to that side, I want to have an anchor. I don't want to trade the things that matter the most to me. And that's very commendable. But you, you must find your true north and you must find your compass. Your true north is your vision for life, right? And it's not deep. It's not like um, by year 2040, I want to be the most significant billionaire female expert on the global scene changing the game in science and technology, right? Nothing big like that. I'm just talking about your ideal life. You must have a vision of your ideal life. That's your true north. So you must think deeply and begin to ask yourself, if I got the life of my dreams, how would it look? So if I got the life, okay, this person is saying, um, Please, how do you stay consistent, disciplined, and on course? Okay. Um, please put that up again, or sham, so I make sure that you know, I sort of get to it. Okay, someone said, what's the spelling of true north? True north, that's north as, you know, north up here. It's like the, the steady gaze, right? It's, it's what you're looking at. It's where you're going. Your true north is where you are really going. Exactly. So your true north is where you're really going. What is the place of research when you get a hold of vision? Do you depend ah, do you depend on the Holy Spirit for the entirety of it, or do you read it up? I've said that one forever and ever. You actually have to make a re, an investment in research and development. Absolutely. Oshan, please take note of a question so that we can attempt to come to them. Now, so you have to know your true north. What's your ideal lifestyle? You have to spend time thinking about that and be like, 
if I got what I really wanted in my life, if I experienced the desire of my heart, how will that look? And for me, it will mean that I get a chance to build an intimate relationship with God as well as with my spouse and children while I do work that truly fulfills me as well as affords me opportunity for wealth and influence. So those are the things that come together in my own definition of my ideal life. My ideal lifestyle must afford me chance for true spirituality, extensive opportunity for true spirituality, right? To build intimacy with God. It must afford me opportunity to build intimacy with my husband. That is a big deal to me. I can, I'm such a ruth. Like, I can quit a high-paying job if it's going to make me live in a city different from my husband. So personally, I don't understand it. And that's based on my own unique preference for the kind of life I want to live. So when I hear that someone lives in Canada with the family, but the husband works from Nigeria, the thing baffles me. It has never stopped baffling. Like, eh, you can't do it. I need to be with my husband every day. I need to just hug the guy like consistently. How am I supposed to survive that, right? So I do know that for some people, it's not a big deal. For me, it is a big deal, right? So my ideal lifestyle must allow chance for true spirituality, intimacy with my husband. It must allow me opportunity to directly influence my children. I, I believe that motherhood is about role modeling. It's about um, influencing. It's about providing an example. It's about visibly demonstrating the ideals that I want to pass to my children. So there are things I don't even say. I just do them. And, you know, they become like intravenous and they enter into my children. And that's how I've chosen to live my own life. It's my, it's my number one strategy for parenting. So it's very important for you to understand what matters to you and let it regulate your true north. So those are things that are important for me. True spirituality, intimacy with my husband, um, modeling and mentoring and availability for my children doing the kind of making my work what I love to do and growing influence and affluence through that work. I must love my work and it must offer me influence and it must offer me affluence, right? So those are things that matter to me. Lisa, I'm, I'm seeing you on your both face and I just love you. I just, I love you so much. So, um, yeah, so th that would be an example of true north. You have to answer that. Society mustn't answer that for you. How your parents live shouldn't answer that for you. Some of you are actually running away from the life your parents lived that you've actually made it your vision. Your vision is not really your vision anymore. Your vision is now escaping. You can't have an escapist vision. Vision must be authentic and it must be connected to who you are at your core. Some of you are merely escaping your mother's marriage. That's all. You don't have a vision for your marriage, but you shall know you don't want it to be your mother's kind of marriage, whereas there are different kind of evils in the world. So because you don't have your mother's kind of marriage doesn't mean you're going to have a good marriage, just as an example, and I believe that's for someone, okay? Someone said, I must be my husband. I thought I was alone on this vision, okay? So you must know your true north, that's number one. Then you must know your compass. Your compass speaks to the things that count in your life, your value system, right? My top big three, uh, my top three big value, um, values in life is number one, spirituality. I, I mean, I carry my God with me everywhere and I'm unashamed and unabashed about that relationship. 
Number two is creativity. I can't stand people who are not going to engage their minds and be creative. You can't be mediocre around me. My children are extremely creative. You just have to be creative. And then execution. I have a strong respect for doers. I'm a doer. I believe that the world moves forward when people do their part. So those, those, those are big things for me. You've got to find what is big for you. Um, how do I handle my multidimensional self excellently? Join on Bundling 2020. There's not something I can say in 15 minutes. It's a whole five subtract seven hour model. So you have to enter on bundling. It's big. And I'll show you where your money is inside your multidimensional flow. It's very sweet. Okay. Um, I've admitted everyone again. Thank you for saying that to me. And thank you to the over 250 people who've joined today and still staying. Very proud of you. Um, so how do I really live a balanced life? I must know what I prefer, number one. I must understand my values, number two. Number three, I must start to recreate and reorganize my everyday life to reflect the things that matter to me. So if I say it means a lot to me to spend time with God, where does it show? If you tell me something matters to you and I don't see it in your everyday or every week, you are joking. And I feel like that is where we have the challenge. Many of us know what we prefer. Many of us know what matters to us, but we don't integrate what matters to us into our everyday life. And until you do that, what matters to you will not become the reality. And the goal is for your values, your desires, and your ideal vision to actually become your reality. Okay? So we start off by recognizing our true north. What's your ideal lifestyle? What's your vision? Don't worry if you can't achieve it right now. Some of you will be like, I want to spend time with my children, but I'm the, it's my income that runs the family right now, so I have to work. Don't worry. Still put it down. It's fine. Still put it down. This is what I'll prefer. I'll prefer a job that allows me to spend more hours with my children. You know, Envision, dream it, and put it down. It's important to write. Those people who don't write can't have a grip on their dreams, and those who don't have a grip on their dreams will toil longer before they actually enter into that future that they desire. And this is just what it is. So writing is important. So know your true north, and that's what we're speaking about. Really clarifying your ideal life, right? Number two, what are your values? What are things that matter a lot to you? What are your most essentials, non-negotiables, right? Then number three, how can you restructure the architecture of your everyday life, your every week life, to reflect the things that matter to you. If I say God matters to me, is it showing in how I live my everyday life? So how you reorganize your time must be consequent upon your true north. What you say matters to you because it's what you do every day and every week that, that shapes your life, right? So what do I do? Kemi says, I am I'm the one on the not my marriage, not my mom's marriage. Okay, I love that. I'm glad for you, right? So yes, even if it's not your current reality, it's still important to write. So number three, if you are going to live a balanced life without trading what, you, what matters to you, is that you are now going to integrate those things that matter. If I say I want to model my values to my children, then I have to spend time with them. Just gisting, telling them how my day went, sharing something I prayed for and I've gotten and I'm blown away by how God answers, whatever. And this is not always super structured. I am, I've been healed of mom guilt and I just encourage you to get your liberty as well, right? 
It's not every day that we sit with the Bible and our printed out Bible study plan. Children, what happened to Esther? You know, and they repeat after me. No, I am I'm the Esther of my generation. So sometimes I'm just having free-flowing conversations. And I know imprints are going up into their minds because parenting is really about modeling. I don't remember a thing of the Bible study sessions and the fellowship meetings that we had every night with my parents. But I remember their lives. I remember how they handled pressure, how they handled difficult times, how they held up their marriage. It's just what it is, right? So find that balance and it's super, super important. Now, the fourth thing for um, stepping into a balanced life without trading the things that matter to you is you have to do what is called the Caesars model. You have to cut out some things. A woman who is going to live her best life without trading what's important to her is going to be brutal about the affiliations in her life. Some of us are so sentimental that we know there are some silly friendships that should be out of our lives, but they're still there. You must use the Caesars model. There are things you have to cut out. Some of you, you are, you are addicts of social media. You have to cut it out. You have to uninstall it first for a month. And in the beginning, your body will be shaking like this as if you are high on drugs. You want to go back there. You know, some of you have to trim off the excesses from bedtime. You want to go to bed on time, you get to bed on time. And you put up your phone. You set alarm that says, woman of God, it's time to go to bed because we want to spend more, whatever it is you want to do. And you, I feel like women over-emotionalize their lives. And that is why they get emotional results. That's why your money is being emotional with you. It will be your bank account today, tomorrow. It will be like, hello, I'm not around you. Uh -uh. You're doing it to yourself. Stop being over-emotional if you want. Principles are not emotional. So the fourth thing here is use the scissors model. Cut what you have to cut out. If you, if you say you value spending time with your husband, where is the night date? The, the date night, I mean, once a week. Make it happen. If you have to close earlier, whatever it is, just do your thing. Fix your life. You are responsible for that. Okay? Let's now say, based on how your life is currently structured, your dream cannot, your dream life can never be achieved. You're working in a bank. It's mad. You get home when your children are asleep. You leave when, before they wake up. Your marriage is thirsty, is hungry for righteousness, and is not getting filled. Your bedroom is cold. If you know that's where you are, the fifth thing here is to have an exit plan. If you are in chaos, you have to have a plan to get out of chaos, and it's your responsibility. And let me tell you the thing about getting out of chaos. Sometimes you have to get out of chaos before the appearance of order. Getting out of chaos is your first announcement to the universe that I want better for myself. And what I mean is, you're working in a bank, you start to plan that you're actually going to live at this time. And stop saying to yourself, eh, let me start applying. When I get a new job, I hop. It means that you're still saying that you are willing to prioritize your future self. Do you understand? So that's a fifth thing. Some of you would see situations in your life today that show you that uh, this thing cannot work. Based on my desire for my life, for the things I truly want to prioritize. Because the way to also ask the question about what matters to you most is to look at 20 years down the line and ask this question, what are the biggest memories that I want my children to have of me? Or say 10 years down the line, when I am celebrating my, how old are you now? Let's say you're 20. So when I'm celebrating my 30th, 
or let's say you're 40 when I'm celebrating my 50th and I want to write um, a story of my last 10 years, how do I want that story to look? Or I've been invited to speak at the United Nations to young people. Or I want to write a letter to my 20-year-old self. You know, what would I like to say? Could I have been, oh, no, no, no. I want to write letters to my 50-year-old self. What do I want to say to that person, to that 50-year-old me? And what can I start to do today to make me into that person? So it's just your responsibility and you're going to have to work at it. It's not going to be easy, but there is hard and there is hard. You have to choose your hard. If you don't do the hard of reorganizing your life in the direction of your vision, you will do the hard of going into ShopRite three years time and seeing your contemporary live your dream life while you back off into your car with pity. And you definitely don't want that. Okay, so for what is worth, choose your heart. Because nothing is going to come free, but as you make your commitment, you are going to be carried on the, on the wings of ease. But you have to start by making those commitments. So those are five things that I would definitely say to that person who is saying, I want to live a balanced life. And I don't want to trade things that matter the most to me. Okay, I'm adding people again, um, just like you said to me. Let's hope. I keep seeing some people who are going in and coming out. Maybe it's their network that is bad. Okay? Yeah, there's no hard and, and soft. It's hard and hard. But you have to choose your kind of hard. So those are a few things that I would say. Um, I like this question. This person says, how can I attract and retain mentors? How can I attract and retain mentors? Okay? Very fantastic question because you're going to be needing mentors for sure you're going to be needing um yes yes someone's saying with the recording be made available absolutely i got you girl i got you trust me i got you right it's going to be made available yeah you're gonna have it um yeah someone is saying um Ma, please, what about a person who wants to leave the bank, for example, but needs complete clarity and doesn't want to jump the gun? Yes, that's what I mean by an exit plan. An exit plan be begins with clarity. And that's why you just don't rush out. You, you shouldn't just rush out, right? So yes, that's the whole process. An exit plan includes clarity about if I leave, where am I headed to? What kind of lifestyle do we have currently? And how do we form that new lifestyle? Um, what sort of savings must I have? to be able to sustain the pattern of life we have for another six months. And what do I want to do, right? After I take my break, what opportunities am I looking at? Where are my giftings? What are my interests? What sectors do I want to explore? And you might need to do that sitting with a coach. You might not want to do it on your own. And if you need resources, if there's such a person who wants to transit a current career organization or a current organization or a business or whatever, because it doesn't suit how you prefer your life to be organized. Yeah, it's something we can talk about. I probably can work on that material. Or Sham, if you put out this um, in a mail to me, you know, as part of the outcomes of this session, I can work on, you know, a checklist that you want to pay attention to before you make that decision. Because I also transited um, corporate career to get into entrepreneurship primarily, not because I thought I was an entrepreneur, but because I saw that how I wanted to raise my children and how I wanted to be present for my husband 
that job wasn't even going to do it for me. It wasn't going to allow me. I was constantly stressed out, getting home late, just feeling so bad. I was feeling so guilty. And my, my, my first daughter was losing weight. I said, no, that's not what I want. Yeah. So it starts with knowing what you want. And from that moment, it's a lot easier to start to say, this is what I would do differently. But of course, yes, we do want to talk to a coach um, and get the needed clarity. So how do I, help me find the question, how do I attract and retain mentors? So let's have the mentorship conversation. Number one is to really understand what mentorship is about. You, yeah, someone said I need the checklist. Okay, we're going to work on that mentorship doesn't have to be one-on-one -on -one. it doesn't have to be physical and it doesn't have to be um forever so let's even begin with what mentorship is not right so that um it can heal you many of us are seeking a mentorship relationship because well it gives you a sense of belonging right all your friends have mentors and they shine with their mentor on Instagram, it's been a blessing knowing you and you just feel alone. So you have to take out the wrong reasons for wanting a mentor. You shouldn't want a mentor because it gives you a sense of belonging. You shouldn't want a mentor because, well, they're popular and it's going to increase your street credibility. You shouldn't want a mentor because um, you are in a broken place in your life and you need someone to pull you out of a pit. People think that's what mentorship should do for you. No, that's what counseling should do for you. That's what therapy should do for you. That's what maybe in a part your spiritual leader should do for you. But if you're in a pit, you are not in a great season of your life to seek out a new mentor because you are super unattractive to a mentor. You don't want to come like a leech and you don't want to come like a parasite, right? And I've seen people come with burdens and, you know, <laughs> when, they, when they read out their resume to the mentor, the person picks rays, literally blocks them on every platform like, what? That's not, what, um, that's, not, that's not how you want to, to be presented to a mentor. So you want to get answers first in your life. So if you're in a really dark place, that's not when you need a mentor. If you just want to have street credibility, that's not how you need a mentor. If you just want to grow your following on social media because of that association, that's not a, a good reason for a mentor. Um, if you are, yeah, I don't know. Those are some reasons people will typically seek out a mentor, right? And um, the other thing that we also want to note, note about mentorship is it doesn't have to be physical. It doesn't have to be one-on-one. -on -one. The person doesn't have to be in your space and they don't even need to know you for them to be able to successfully mentor you. I feel like if we agree to this one and we crack it, we're all going to be happy. Like everybody is going to be happy. Everybody's going to be happy. Yeah. Counseling can be a part of mentorship. For counsel is a lot more robust than mentorship and counseling can successfully take place end to end without a mentoring relationship. And I'll sort of try to break um, that down. So your mentor doesn't have to be close to you. Your mentor doesn't have to know you. Mentorship doesn't have to be physical, right? And mentorship doesn't have to last forever. Mentorship is primarily a vulnerable exchange of a person's life, lessons, wisdom learned, insights drawn from walking their path and transferring consciously or unconsciously, directly or indirectly through the physical conversations or reading in books or put out there through um, materials that they have, 
that journey, that wisdom gleaned and that counsel offered um, so that you can walk your path with less mistakes and shirting your own curve, right? Your own learning curve. Mentorship is, is effective to the degree of alliance. And what that means is if a person has walked a path similar to the one that you are taking, they're in a better position to mentor you. And that is why it's possible that um, you have a mentor who doesn't speak to all areas of your life or speaks excellently to a specific area. That's why they can be a career mentor, a finance mentor, um, a, a mentor for your marriage relationship, right? A mentor who does ministry and you've also been sent to do ministry, those sort of things, right? Um, yeah, so you can have mentors for different areas of your life. And in some cases, you can have a mentor that speaks to a broad um, spectrum of issues that's, that are happening in your life because you know they've really been sent to you and they've walked your path or they've been anointed for you. Having said all of that, um, take away that it's possible God is leading you to people or it's possible that you can enter into mentoring relationships without necessarily um, being in a face-to-face -face interaction with them and you, you, you know, they're literally answering your questions for the season of life you're in because they've been there and you know, they don't even know they're doing that for you. You're reading their book, you're taking their courses and you're generally getting instructed, right? As is needed. So let's now go on into if I believe that I should get a mentor and they do not have materials that I can, um, you know, interact with, how do I go about it? If they have materials that I should interact with, what should I do first? I should interact with all the material. If you want to get into a mentoring relationship, I feel like your first test that you should pass is to actually go and read their book, listen to their material, whatever they've said, take their course, attend their conference, or show up in a conference where they're going to speak. Now, this is also your own litmus test to confirm if you're coming after them just because you want to be in their space or primarily because you want to glean wisdom from them. If it's primarily about gleaning wisdom from them, there's no way you can convince them that you are after their knowledge and not after their brand, except you have interacted with what they put out there. If someone has documented their wisdom, but you've never read any of it, I don't understand why you want them to mentor you. So you also have to check your, um, so yeah, you, you want to check your intentions because desperation, you know, is like, a, is like an alarm. It's, it's shouts, it screams. You can just tell it that, you know, yeah, there's, this person is just desperate to step into my space for selfish reasons, right? So you want, to, you want to check your intentions, why you want that relationship, and if you have interacted with what they have to offer. So let's say you've interacted with, with what they have to offer and you still feel like, I want to be here for the long term. Dam Lola says, I don't understand. Tell me what you don't understand, my darling. Can you put it as a question? I'm going to make an attempt to look at it. Okay. So let's say you've now interacted with the materials and you're still like, I do want to get into a closer alliance because there are questions I want to ask that I'm not getting a chance to ask currently. Okay. What do I do? The first thing that you do is to answer the question, why? Why do I want this person as a mentor? Why them? Because how you, when you answer that question, is going to impact on how you are going to sell yourself, right? Because um, entering into a mentorship relationship is about 
selling yourself. And I'm going to show you what I mean by that. So if I am now searching, okay, someone's just toasting me here. Okay, that lawyer says, I'm not reading materials and expecting to, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you are not getting that too. So let's say I want to get into that mentorship relationship. The first question I must ask myself is why? Why do I want to be in a mentor relationship? And you must clarify it. This is super important because as you are answering that question, you are doing what is called stakeholder mapping. And as you're answering that question, you might discover that who you thought you wanted to mentor you is not who you need. So based on the season of life I'm in right now, why do I believe that, you know, Lisa should be my mentor? So I can say Lisa is an award-winning writer. She is, she's reading six books. She runs a blog that has over 500,000 um, members and over 3.2 million viewership on a monthly basis, right? And that is definitely a feat I'm looking to accomplish. I want to be a, a, a best-selling author and I want to be a blogger, right? So I want to get insights specifically on what her journey has looked like what technology she leverages, how she structures her content, how she calendarizes it and delivers it, right? How she builds engagement with that community. I'm clear. I know what I'm looking for, right? Your mentorship desire must align to the vision of the season of life you're in or the future that you see. So, and this is also how you know who you might currently call a mentor who might not even fit into your future. Do you understand this? And it also helps you determine how long that relationship is supposed to be. Because mentorship is not marriage. And it doesn't mean you leave them and you start speaking negatively of them or you start dishonoring them. But if it's a time-bound alliance, you can get what you want to get in a certain number of months. And right, they now become someone in your corner and you continue to be a blessing to them, but you don't necessarily have to be on that one-on-one -on -one again. Okay? So you must be clear first why I want to, you must you must be clear on it. People are not exact. And when I see people who are not exact, it's predictable that you are going to encounter needless challenges because there are questions you should have answered. Okay? I simulate and relate better with videos and audios. Currently working on my speed with books, but people look at me like I'm joking and I feel shy to meet a mentor that I haven't read their book. Um, any advice? Buy the book and do... A few chapters but buy the book and try to go through a few chapters so that if you get asked you'll be like i have it and i'm reading it right but don't say i'm not going to get it because i'm not really great at reading you must start by doing that for yourself and it's powerful okay um so i must answer that question why do i want them to come into my life be exact about it and in answering that question you're also really going to know what you need which you can get through other sources that's the first thing the second important thing that you have to answer um, is what value am I going to offer them? There's something called value branding when you are trying to get into um, an alliance or a relationship with a mentor and it's super powerful. If you profile your mentor properly, you are likely to find something that they need to move their vision forward or something that you do or something that you have that is going to be like a gift to them and they're going to appreciate it. So getting into alliances with people like Obiazekwesili, Akim Adeshino, people in government, oftentimes when I start to strike that partnership or 
you know, I get into their space because of the work that I do with the Nigeria Economic Summit Group. And, you know, first thing is I'll position myself well. If they're going to be in a space, I'm going to make an attempt to speak and I will speak wisdom. I will, I will break out like big bass bulls. They'll be like, ah, oh, God, who is this guy? So <laughs> it's also positioning. You can go to their conference, ask a question. You want them to look at you like an intellectual equal or someone, you know, there are times you think you want to meet a mentor, but at the end of the day, they're almost running after you. That one happens to me a lot. They're not like, ah, you'll not be the one that I'll be drawing back again. Like, I'm not that special. So you don't be too blown away. Value is extremely important. So you have to, so I'm jumping two things together. There is bringing value, right? So you, you have to understand how you're going to market value to them. You also have to understand how you're going to position your brand. And you can get, if you have access to enter somewhere they're going to be, you want to get into that place and you want to be positioned, you want to ask the right question, you just want to be visible. It's the principle of platform, the principle of visibility, right? The, the third thing or the second thing, wherever you put it, that I want to go back to is you have to understand how to deliver value. I love it, Florence. I love what you just said, right? You have to understand how to deliver value. There's got to be something you can offer. So with Obeza Kwesili um, and a few other people in the public policy space, which is something I'm super passionate about and, and I've been working on for a few years um, for the African continent, I would look at their work and I would see that in a case, for example, she needed to transcribe her speeches into a book that could go out to the younger generation documenting her journey in government. And I offered to do that. The moment you're making an offer to add value to a person's work or to extend their influence, they are going to take you seriously. It's very powerful. So don't ever, ever introduce yourself again and say, hello, ma'am, Debola, did you me? Please, I'd like you to mentor me. Don't ever say it. You've locked yourself out into the crowd. That's what everybody's saying to them. Do you understand this? So it's, it's I mean, it's just, it, it works. It's simple. It's cool. It always works when you come with value. The fourth thing you have to pay attention to is mm, at what point do you decide when you to actually mentor people? Is it compulsory? What if you don't want to mentor anyone and you still feel a lot of people, you still feel people have a lot to learn from you directly? Well, um, can I say it the way I want to say it? It's your business. If you don't want to mentor people, it's your business. If you want to mentor people, it's your business. But the question you want to ask yourself is why wouldn't you want to mentor people? Why wouldn't you want to pass on what you've also received, right? And be a blessing. The only thing I would say is, or the other thing I would say is, you want to make sure that you're mentoring within the boundaries that you've set that work for you in your life and the demands in your life. But yeah, if you get a chance to mentor other people, that's a great thing. That's how legacy is built. That's how influence is extended. And we've, we've been giving so we can offer to. But don't let it strain you or stress you out, which are possibilities. Um, that happen, you know, in, in mentoring relationships. People are inherently selfish. They don't mean to, to be like that. Your eye can be, you know, dilating like this out of tiredness. They'll still be saying, man, one last thing, one last thing. So you have to be responsible to create those boundaries, right, in your own life. Um, so you bring value. You determine why you want to get into that relationship. You position your brand properly. I've been adding Milola. I don't know what's, what's up here. Internet. Um, you position your brand 
excellently, you add value. And when you get into the conversation, because that conversation will ultimately happen when you're finally now in that alliance, you want to specify what you're looking for. Many times people don't specify what they're looking for because they don't want the, the mentor to feel like they are, they are, who are you? You are very audacious. You're already asking me what you want. But if you don't ask what you want, you're not going to draw the best from that mentor. And I love proteges who say to me upfront, DDK, this is what I've seen in you. And this is what I'm looking for, right? That's a fourth thing. So there's something called a mentorship onboarding conversation. And it depends on how formal the engagement went. If you guys start to work together, maybe you say, I'm going to help you do something. I want to volunteer. That's a way you can also deliver value. I love what you're doing with your books. I'm an excellent editor. I want to help you. Yeah, I speak so well. I want to help you convert your books to an audio book. I want to volunteer um, in your teamwork. And sometimes all you volunteer in, you're not naturally passionate, but you know what you, you want. Because the greatest way to also demonstrate a, 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 um, allegiance to a person is to serve their vision. It's powerful. So you might not like teenagers like that, but you know that's her NGO. You say, I would, I would love to be a mentor to your teenagers, you know, and you now start to go the extra mile. Every time you attend a session, you go back, you give feedback to her. This is brilliant. It's, you know, I think we can do this more. You're going to get attention. It's simple. So service is a powerful context that allows you to deliver value and draw nearer. When you start to draw nearer and you ever get the chance to be asked, what do you want? Then you, you are waiting for that moment and you can clearly say, these are the things I've seen in you. Or if you don't even get asked, as the relationship goes along, you can officially ask by yourself saying, I don't know if you're open to this, but these are things I've seen in you um, and I would love to be mentored. 80% of people want to give back and 80% of people are encouraged by the fact that they do have value to offer others, right? Um, that is important. The final thing I would say about mentorship relationship is the honors of the chase is on you. The burden of the chase is on you. The responsibility of the chase is on you. It's not a girlfriend-boyfriend relationship. Mentorship is a strategic relationship more than an emotional relationship. And I feel like when it's woman to woman, we sometimes get it mixed up. We sometimes now, because this person is now warm and huggy-huggy, you forget yourself. And you're now saying things like, ah, you didn't put up a post about me on social media on my birthday. What does that even mean? I forgot my birthday. Ah, my hurt me. Like, I, are, you, are we joking? It's a strategic relationship and the burden of, of the chase is on you. She's not your elder sister. He's not your father. If you have daddy issues, you have to fix it, right? Daddy issues is people who are maybe absentee fathers or fathers who mistreated them or who mistreated their mom. And so when they see father figures, um, this, this begin to project their neediness and their desperation and their hurt, right? And I'll give you a few signals. So if it's happening to you, you can correct yourself. Of course, I see it happening with um, church members to pastors, female proteges to male mentors. I even see it in, in the workplace where a team member to a boss, a male boss who is super caring. People start to show daddy issues. I, I even see church members sometimes doing that with my husband. And I'm just looking at you like, hello, you didn't want me to start showing up in your dream, do you? Coordinator said, <laughs> right? So daddy issues are things like you find yourself 
um, blurring the boundary lines of conversations. You start to move from sharing around the real reason of that mentorship relationship, whether it's career or something industry specific or your spiritual growth, whatever. And you start to blur the boundary lines of conversation to begin to move away from those specific conversations. And by the way, if you didn't answer the initial question, why should I be in this mentoring relationship? You are not going to know the boundaries. And there, are, there must be boundaries or else you will take advantage of and you will be taken advantage of. You will get hurt and you will hurt others. Do you understand this? And you will not understand the kind of value you need vis-a-vis -vis the one you are being given. You also don't know the one you should deliver, right? If you know the, it, look, let me tell you the honest truth. My favorite proteges are actually not the ones that send me gifts. They are the ones that serve within the boundaries of the value they can offer and how it aligns to my vision. So if you, if you didn't have that initial conversation about why you should be in this person's life, you are not going to understand the boundaries that exist in your interactions and your mentoring conversations. And you will also not know when you're about to get on slippery ground because it's sometimes the mentor who is abusing that relationship. Do you understand this? So that's the first sign of daddy issues. Mm -hmm. First sign of daddy issues is, or even mommy issues, for those who had mommy issues. And I've had um, a, a staff member who started to work with me and who really looked up to me and all that. And, you know, I, there was a day I was giving her a very stern warning about her work and saying, mediocrity is not something you should get into because you hear the smell kind of thing. And she was crying, you know, and it should have, it should have maybe touched me like, oh, she's, she's so hurt by what I said. I said, no, the reason you're crying is because you're not seeing me as your boss. You're seeing me as your mom. I'm not your mother. I'm your employer, right? So keep the mommy issue at home. I'm not... This is not mommy talking down at her daughter. No, don't project the relationship you have with your mom with me. I wasn't this hard. Before you now say, uh, DDK, I wasn't this hard. But I just had to bring it out to her and say, I'm your employer. And if you worked in the World Bank and your boss said this to you, you're not going to be crying. But it's because you think it's DDK and DDK is that, it's not DDK that wrote Firebrand. Why is she not talking to me like this? I'm not your mother. I'm not even your pastor in this context. I'm your employer. Do you see? So it's so you see daddy or mommy issues when the boundary lines are getting blurred in conversations. Um, you see um, daddy and mommy issues happening when in your own conversations with friends, um, you, you lean on that relationship to give you some more credibility. So you find yourself talking about it a lot because it makes you feel good to be in an alliance with that person. Ah, when I was even speaking with Lisa, you know, Lisa is my mentor. You have daddy issues or you have mommy issues. You know, Lisa, you know, she's my mentor for like three years now. Ah, Lisa is so cool. Like when I went to visit her, she was like, ah, tell me everything. I was like, why is she telling me all this? That I didn't know I even was so special to her. If you find those things happening, you're getting into mommy, daddy issue things. And it's just not cool. You don't need it because it, it really blows things. And it, that's why people get hurt. Some people have gotten so hot. They have people wounds, badges of people wounds all around. You're responsible for your heart as well. So you definitely have to, you know, do the right things. Daddy, mommy issues are happening when you are constantly, you know, just doing praise jamming. Do you know praise FM? Praise FM is when you dedicate praise and worship time on a very regular basis to your mentor, right? Because you think that's what they feed on. It's a repellent, but you don't know. You will get into their 
um, text message every week. I love you so much. You are a life changer. You know, let me tell you the way you demonstrate respect for your mentor. You don't waste their time, meaning that when you say you'll be there, you'll be there. When they give you an assignment, you work on it. When they give you an advice, you use it, right? You, ju you don't just waste audio time. They'll be talking, audio, audio time. Do you understand this? So that's how not to waste their time. Another way you demonstrate value for them is you put value on what they put value on. So I have people who say they're my proteges who have never taken a course with me, who are not members of the Messina Circle, who have never bought a book. That, we're not in a mentorship relationship again. I'm just their big sister, but they don't know. And what I give my proteges is different from what I give my aburos. You know, they're different. We'll hug, we'll laugh. And I can even send you money. It's not a problem. But I don't transfer what is core, what has made me who I'm becoming. I don't transfer that to aburos. I share with daughters. I share that with proteges. Do you understand this? So I can go on and on because the table, the table is already wet so and it's weak and it wanted to fall before. <laughs> so let's make it fall. Final thing I want to say about mentorship and that relationship and how you can build it and how you can strengthen it is give feedback. You don't need to be asked. Just do it. Sometimes they don't reply. Just do it. On a monthly basis, you can make that commitment, right? And you can, you, you can start doing it from now if you are in a structured, serious mentoring relationship. Let me tell you what. Even if you're not in a very serious mentoring relationship, you feel like your mentor doesn't really have your time and even the lines are blurred from his or her side to right, you can start to make it give you more value. So from May now, you can say May 1st, May, uh, April update. You give it in May. In the month of May, this is what I worked on. Oh, you can give it ahead. In the month of May, these are my goals. This is what I'm working on. I'm open to any counsel you have about how I can do this better. You send that email. June 1, thank you so much, Ma, for your help. Now in the month of June, this is what I'm working on. All these latecomers to the party. Do you see that? So you can start to give updates and it now becomes like a powerful way to make the relationship deliver more value for you. And if they have insights that they can help you with, you give them the opportunity to provide that. It's, it's just powerful and it works all the time. Okay. Someone says, I'm always mindful in encroaching their space and not being a pest. You can actually ask. You can ask about that. You can say, how would you like me to reach you? Um, do you prefer chats? Do you prefer emails? I just want to know how best. Is it fine to call you? Some people don't want to be called, right? Some people that I know, speaking right now, wearing pink, they would prefer to have an SMS first. Can I call you at what time? I feel like just calling me without prior notice, except what friends, I feel like it's just so disrespectful. I will never do that to my mentors. So, well, but the thing is, I won't even pick it, which is fine. So you can call if you, if you want to. I won't pick it. Yeah. So um, I want to take a few questions aside the ones um, that I have here. So Asham, if it's possible, you can bring back some of the questions we've been asked. 
let me know if this has been valuable because I can't really see your face in that gallery format. Um, yeah, Louis says, if I'm not in a structured mentorship relationship, can I still send feedbacks? Feedback, absolutely. In fact, that is one powerful way for you to make the relationship of more value and to make your mentor pay closer attention to you. So yes, it works. And, and if they have counsel for you, if they have resources for you, that's how they're going to remember and be like, okay, this can actually help what you're working on. So yeah, I believe in it. It's powerful. Okay. Um, Dam Lola says, how do I respond when God is drawing my attention to something different from what I'm known for? Wow. Mm, that's, that's powerful. That can be God opening up a new arena for you or asking you to transit. So I would say top three things to respond. Number one, the power of documentation. Um, and I hope you have journals that are not Olufemi words, Adifunke, 2004. All those spiral-bound jotters, no, like proper, proper journals, like journals, journals. I hope you have them, like pretty journals. I like pretty journals. I have a lot of red, pink. I used to have white journals before, but makeup did not let them great. So they all got brown. We put in my hands on my face and on the, yeah. So, but I hope you have proper leather bound journals that can stand the test of time. I still have my journals, almost 200 of them now from 2002. So yeah, you should have journals, right? And I even say, don't just write on your paper journals anymore. Leverage technology so that you can carry them anywhere, store them in the clouds, use Evernote, uh, put them on your iPhone notes and take them to the cloud. SE is going to be very useful in the days ahead. So if that is happening to you, number one, the principle of documentation, write down everything. It's going to be scattered in the beginning. Just thoughts coming here and there. Keep documenting them. Number two, begin to pray extensively that, you know, Ephesians 1 prayers, they're going to have insight. Your eyes will open. Um, then number three, start to research people who are playing in that space and the solutions they are delivering. Start to understand how that space works. What you study about and what you grow knowledge about amplifies your capacity to even receive revelation. So that definitely is going to be helpful. Okay? How do you differentiate when you're admiring someone and not being so forced? I don't understand the question, Beulah. Osham says, how do I grow a team of people committed to my vision? I know it's time to scale, but how do I go about it, especially as I feel another expression opening up? Welcome to the life of a visionary. Um, I cannot exactly promise you that people are going to be super committed to your vision like earlier on, but maybe what you should make an attempt to do is to grow a team that understands the vision. Let's start with that. People, um, the level of commitment that people have to a thing is also very closely connected to the level of communication that they have about the thing, right? So let's start with people understanding the vision, number one. Number two, it's important to also understand what people want for their lives and where they're headed. Sometimes your team might be constituted of people who just want to get paid, but have no interest really in that thing you're doing. And they might serve with competence for the short term, but they might not be part of those who be with you for the long term, which is also not exactly a problem because yeah, a vision always pulls its own um, compatriots, always pulls its own comrades. And, and that's the honest truth. So in the earlier stages, focus on clarifying the vision, 
focus on building a structure. Um, and that's what I keep working on in my own businesses. So build a structure that people can settle into and they know their role and they can work on it, right? And then number three, model commitment yourself. Show what it means to be committed to the vision. Because in the beginning, you are not CEO anything yet, right? You're a visionary. You get your hands dirty. And yeah, so model it by yourself. Be up there showing the signs that this thing is going to work and this is what it's going to take. Um, make the communication clear. Have many meetings. Have many team bonding experiences. Have opportunities to listen also um, to the people. And I mean, just see where it goes. Um, I believe that, you know, you might not be able to fully get 100% commitment in the beginning, but you can 100% communicate your vision. And it's going to also be um, how it is communicated. It's going to impact on those who can sign on and join you. Um, 38 messages. I'm trying to run. Mm. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for the encouraging feedback. When do I know when to step out of a mentorship relationship and how best can I communicate it? I love the question and it's super powerful. Um, if you were clear on why you were getting into the mentorship relationship in the beginning, it's going to be way easier for you to know when um, it is coming to an end. So what were you looking for? Why did you get into it in the start? But to make, you know, to decompose it and make sense of it in this material mo moment, I know that I should step out of a mentorship relationship primarily for about three to five reasons. Number one, the purpose of the mentorship alliance has been served. You know, it's not a marriage. We're not there forever. Some might take 10 years, 20 years. Some might take two weeks, four months, one year. So number one, the purpose of the mentorship relationship has been served. I wanted insights on how to grow my blog and how to launch my first book and I want a step-by-step, step, right? And that's what I said to Lisa when I was coming on board. And she said, I'm going to show you how it works. Or join me. Come and intern with me for three months. And let's see what you pick. At the end of three months, I see what I've picked. And it's cool for me. I can have an official conversation to say, thank you for how you've helped me. Um, I'd love to move to other things, right? So first, if the purpose of the mentorship relationship has been served. Second, if I start to outgrow that mentorship relationship, which is also possible where I am now, um, yeah, moving at a faster pace. Sadly, these are things that really happen, especially when your mentor is also your contemporary. You're just maybe years ahead of one another, whether you're younger or older. And you now start to see that um, I'm moving forward. I'm gaining more insight. I don't exactly need this person the way I needed them before. And the relationship could transform into maybe more a friendship if the mentor, um, so to say, allows it. A third big reason is if the boundary lines have now become blurred and there's now an abuse of the relationship, whether from the mentor or from you, right? Those things happen too. And you start to say, okay, there's drama happening here. I'm getting hot. Um, I've had things said about me I don't like, or I feel like I'm just forcing myself on this person and um, I'm not sure it's serving the purpose. Number four, if your values are being violated, if you're being asked to do what you do not want to do or what you do not believe to be right, those are possibilities that might make you know that, okay, um, this, this mentorship relationship is not serving its purpose anymore. When that happens, how you communicate it is dependent on the reason. 
why you have to leave. If you're leaving on um, strong grounds of the purpose has been fully served, as both of us understand, the communication is a lot more professional and straightforward. If you're leaving because drama is occurring, the communication is a lot more, um, um, what's the word, persuasive and pacifying. So you might be going with gifts and you may not be exactly saying, I want to end this mentorship relationship. You might be saying, I'm getting to a season of my life where there are new demands. I might not be as available and as present as I used to be, but you would always be important to me and I do care about you and I will be in touch, right? Depending on how, why you're living is going to impact on how you communicate um, that you want to leave. But yes, indeed. Yeah. And if the mentorship relationship, you believe you should exit it because it's not serving its purpose, that's also a possibility. The mentor is an absentee mentor, right? You know, those are possibilities where they haven't spoken to you in two years. They don't even remember you exist. You don't have to communicate an exit per se, right? You can die a natural death. And yeah, you just drop by sometime to be like, hello, I'm just checking on you. I hope you're doing great. Um, yeah, I see, I saw a conference you held or whatever. I'm so proud of you. I'm so impressed by it. Yeah, but you, 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 just, you just move gently, right? And women do need that particular skill in their life. There's a way you need to be unobstructive sometimes. You just jejelly, you know, you just move and continue your business. So if, if they were they were on if they were an unavailable mentor, that's something that you have to consider. Okay, I'm trying to read um, one one more question before we go. What if it's a mentor that starts making the relationship emotional? What do I do if they start making the relationship emotional or more? Hmm, you're in a very very sensitive situation. If it's the mentor who makes it unemotional. You are in a sensitive uh, situation. But truth is, I have actually experienced that. And here's my honest take. You cannot make a relationship emotional. You cannot succeed at making a relationship emotional without my permission because it is a relationship. So if you give it to me emotional, I will give it to you strategic. So um, I, I, I had a birthday. You didn't even come. I, I told you I was throwing a barbecue now. I was really expecting you and you didn't come. I'm terribly sorry that I, I couldn't make it. I had so and so and so um, happening, you know, but you sent your wishes earlier, right? And you are just cautious, but you don't, you don't get pulled into that slimy, it's a very slippery path. And I don't have a straightforward answer because primarily I have not had a lot of drama in my life. I can't pretend and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I don't have drama. If I sense that there's going to be drama, I have upfront conversations. Um, yeah, especially if it's not an older person. If a friend is going to be dramatic, I have upfront conversations like, I think that this thing is going to get sensitive the way we're going about it. I have those conversations earlier. And I say, are there expectations you have of me in this friendship? You know, so I just know, you see, because I've had someone say, I don't like you when you don't pick my calls. And I said, it's obvious that we might not be able to be great friends because. I like to chat more than I like to call. Is it going to be a problem for you? She said, it's not going to be a problem. I said, not, are you sure? Because if it's going to be a problem, then maybe it, we can start cutting the alliance early enough, you know, because I don't want anybody to get hurt. So I have those conversations fearlessly early enough. Um, but my answer might not be perfect because I haven't really been in those scenarios as much. 
But if you give me emotional, I'll give you back strategic because it's a relationship. Yeah, so I, I could sort of control the dynamic from my side because it takes, it takes two of us to make it fully work, right? Mm, okay, I love it. Some people say they are getting a deliverance. It's been extremely, extremely valuable. I love it, I love it, I love it. Can Team Immerse look into creating a self-mastery course? Some online courses are too mystical. Okay. <laughs> okay, someone is laughing at my joke. Talker, yes, change your journals, please. Change your journals. I'm looking out for any questions. Um, how do I remedy a mentorship opportunity that never kicked off? Ask yourself if you still need it. If you don't, back off because, well, is it, was it, is it really still a mentorship opportunity like it was before? Are you regretting something you didn't take? Well, if you, not every missed opportunity should be pursued afresh. But if it's an opportunity you should pursue afresh, then start through the whole process and be upfront and say, I feel like I'm, I, I mismanaged an early opportunity to connect with you. And are you still open to the idea? Yeah. Um, someone says, sometimes I do not know when to stop in the research and start my own, like start your own work. Okay, that's not super clear to me. Someone says, how do I create an atmosphere to re-energize when I'm not totally in control of my time? Mm, you're not totally in control of your time, but you are partly in control of your time. Control the time you are partly in control of. It's just what it is. I mean, there was a time I was single now. And I was one that would make pounded yam for my father every Wednesday and every Sunday. So, you know, and I hated it. And the day my husband came to visit and they told me to make pounded yam for him, I said, nope, I'm not. Don't let him taste it so that he will not feel like he's missing something in his marriage. Because never in, in the long marriage will you ever eat pounded yam. If you want to eat it, you will go to White House in Yaba or wherever. But I'm not pounding any yam. I feel like it's just, it's just unkind to the female body. So, <laughs> so um, how did I get there? The part of your time that you are in charge of, make the most of it. You know, make the most of it. Have finite focus, brutal attention to detail and do what you got to do um, in the time that you have, you know, you have the attention. How do I balance vision and character? You see someone who has gone ahead of you to serve under, but their character is totally unbearable, then don't do it. Don't do it, don't do it. Character is more important than competence, right? Yeah, character is more important than competence. What you, what you learn from a competent person, no, um, competence is taught, character is caught. So how do I say that? If you roll with the wrong person, even though they have excellent competence, it's going to rub off on you to be smelling on your skin. Like when you walk through a, a smoky area, how your body is smelling of exhaust. That's how it would be. Don't do it. There are so many people who have, you know, the competence you're looking for. So don't roll with a person with broken character just because, you know, their vision looks a lot like your own. Okay, someone said she just got healed tonight. Um, how do you correct a mentee who is unteachable and does not seem to take correction? You exit them out of the mentorship relationship. Simple. 100%. 100%. You exit them out. You clarify what you understand to be the value of the mentorship relationship, how you want to be heard without you bossing them around. But if, if they are time wasters, you exit them out. You just cut out access. It's simple. 
That one, I don't even know why you're asking. That's simple. How do I know I have a vision or not? Go and listen to Unbundling 2020 mini course. It's free. Listen to it. You must know. How do I remain focused on a vision burning in my heart to have a career switch? And talking of this switch seems unbelievable to everyone. And they wonder, what are you really saying? How do I remain focused? You still need to find your own corner. You still need to find your crusaders. Find a champion. So you now need to begin to pray to also be led to people who are going to buy into it. You do need people who will buy into your vision. Um, even though we say don't be distracted, pay attention to what's on your heart. You are going, if, if the journey is completely lonely, you are half, you are 50% less likely to achieve it. So find your crusaders and also give it time. Um, I like to ask, how do I work with a mentor who doesn't seem to have who doesn't have similar values and belief system as mine? I think I answered it. Don't. Don't work with that mentor. That's not the only mentor at life. Except God tells you specifically. If you roll with a person with wrong value systems or uh, belief systems that are different from yours, you're going to catch where you're not supposed to catch. And the things we catch enter our subconscious conditioning. The things we are taught go to our consciousness. That's where you can revisit it, remove, say, no, I don't like this one. Belief systems and patterns enter our subconscious condition. And later, you're going to be asking, where did I get this bad behavior? Okay? Mm, how do I differentiate when I'm admiring a person to being confused about wanting them as a mentor? Answer the question, what am I looking for in this season of my life? And does this person match you know, what I'm looking for? And there's no problem admiring people. You can admire if they've gone ahead of you. If you see things that are worthy of emulation, and you can take it without having a personal relationship with them. Okay, um, I'm going to have to stop. Someone said, don't be un unkind to the female body. Yeah, it's unkind to the female body. You have not addressed how to stay consistent and, and disciplined. I get excited starting, but I hardly pull through when I begin something. Okay, can I take that as my final question? Guys, put it up for me. Put it up for me. Tell me if I can take that as my last question for the night. Just let me know. Looks like there's a lot. Let me take that as my final question. Joy says no. I thought we agreed we'll end this thing like 30 minutes ago. It's now 11, 11. You guys don't want to go to bed. What, is, what if you had a friend as a mentor and the relationship was abused and you still need mentorship? Uh... Can the relationship be repaired, especially when the mentor is hurt as a friend? Yeah, it can be, it can be repaired, but you have to have a, an upfront conversation. There's got to be a lot of apologies. There's got to be a lot of retracing of steps and starting all over again. So yes, absolutely, it can be, it can be, um, it can be rebuilt, but you have to be upfront. You have to take responsibility. Mm -hmm. Simi Solwa says, everyone should go and take Unbonding 2020 mini course. So, um, let me see. For some reason, people have been unmuted. So, let me know. Can I, can I go for that question? Yes, please. That question is really important to me. When your takeoff energy declines with time. Okay. So, let's go for it. This person says, uh, <laughs> someone says we have a worldwide lockdown. I hear you. Okay, um, so how do I stay consistent and disciplined, especially when 
it, after I start off with my vision, bam, 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 I'm like gingered, I want to go. And after a while, it starts to decline. And I'm going to just hear honestly from my heart um, some things that I think can really help you. Number one, and this one will sound like oversimplistic, but it's powerful. Simsolua said, please, PDDK's bedroom is not on lockdown. Let us release her. The Lord bless you. The Lord honor you. <laughs> Help me to explain to them that I must still serve myself like chocolate tonight. That that's my ultimate purpose. Okay, don't get me started, guys. Do you know that is my territory? I love, love that matter. But let us keep it straight here now. So I'm going to share a few things with you that I really believe can help you. Um, and it's going to be very useful. Number one, on the discipline consistency part, and it can sound simplistic, but it's powerful. I want you to really start to pray for divine assistance to um, have what is called staying power. I want you to start to pray about that. It's a life-changing a life-changing discipline. It's a life-changing routine. It's a life-changing culture. It's very powerful. It's, it has shaped my life for the last 10 years. Always asking. I ask for three things consistently. Number one, I say, God, please help me with the work you put in my hands. Help me. I receive divine assistance, right? I, I, I was praying it just 3 a.m. this morning, and I was wailing. You would think that I was in, in some trouble. I was wailing. I was praying from the depths of who I was, like because I know what it means if you are helped by God. To be helped by God is for you to be pushing in the direction of purpose and for God to be pulling it for you. Do you understand? People will see you doing like this, but they will not know that what you are pushing is being pulled. So I asked for God's help. I asked for divine assistance. I, I was willing last night, help me, help me. You know why? When it comes to serving a vision that God put in your heart, not ambition, not hustle, not what you just fabricated, you're like, everybody's selling more and more, let me start. When it comes to what God has put in your heart to do, what is called a vision, and it doesn't have to sound spiritual, an assignment in energy, whatever it is. Move now. Let me mute. So, mm. Some parody saying please now. I don't know who they are saying please now to. Let me mute quickly. Where do I go to again? Oh, I don't know. Maybe someone is touching them. And I say, please, now, still wait. I'm almost done. <laughs> so much is going on in the body. Anyway, um, <laughs> let me get back to it. I don't know why I'm looking at Lisa. Lisa is laughing. She's putting her journal all over her face. <laughs> like she's, she's just finding it so funny. Anyway, when it comes to a vision that God is putting on your heart, something that is asked you to do let me the secret here is you are actually not wired to do it alone we think that the moment we've been giving a vision is because god found us worthy that we are that powerful and we're that strong and he knows the capacity he has given to us no actually a vision is god's undercover move to increase your reliance on him that's the whole idea and I feel like we miss this memo so much. A vision is God's undercover mode to get you in absolute reliance on him. So he puts on you something that is bigger than you. Entrust that as a son 
you're going to continue to come back. Right? Give me a moment. I want to put a lip gloss on my lips. I feel it's getting a bit dry because I'm speaking a lot. Okay. Ah, see fine girl. So, <laughs> so I'm back. So it's like an undercover move that God makes to grow your reliance on him. And you have to recognize that. You weren't just sent into the deep end like, go and do it. No. Every single day, it's a prayer you must pray. Ask for divine assistance, right? And you don't even just ask it like, you're joking about it. You wake up and you say, I'm here for today's supply because there are heavenly resources that are allocated daily. If you don't get your daily supply, in the beginning, you'll still be costing okay. I give you a few months down the line, you're going to be drained because you can't carry God's work on the energy of the flesh. You'll be spent. And that was never how you, you were meant to produce. Do you see this? So... You ask for divine assistance. That's the first thing that you ask for. Number two, you ask for staying power every time. Number three, you ask for the capacity to finish strong. This one also gets me teary many times because I don't care if people in my generation look at me and think that I'm anything, I'm doing anything meaningful. I care for the next 40 years. I care for those who are my daughter's age right now who will look at my name and my work and thank God I came, right? I care for when my daughter will be 50 and my materials will still be used as curriculum in universities, in institutions. I care for that. And I look at scripture and I look at history and I see not everybody gets that. I care for legacy. I care for posterity. I care for handing down to multiple generations what God has put in my heart. And stay in power. You know, we don't know the future. So it just, it gets me really humble. It gets me really thoughtful. It gets me really just stuck on God. Like, help me. Help my generation. Pray for divine assistance. Get daily allocation of the divine resources. There are things that have been earmarked with your name on it in the heavenly budgetary allocation for you. Join for today. She needs this. She needs that. I care for that. I ask for it every day. Let me share something with you. I've been very concerned about the membership and people who couldn't access content, people who've had challenges, we logged in, all that. And one morning as I was driving out to, um, you know, a resort where I sometimes just go to be alone, I said today, I feel like there is an information. I know I didn't say today. I said this week, I, I sense that there is an information that you are going to give to me that is going to cure this, this challenge we're having with cost accessibility. I said, you gave me the word, so you know the answer, so help me. And I drove into the resort um, and went to find my corner. So at, at a point I came down to get something to drink and I, I found John Obidi. Ah, Didi, what are you doing? I said, I come here sometimes. I come here all the time too. And we got speaking and I, you know, he started to speak and I said, I feel like you know something I need. And I explained my situation. He said, well, I'm a programmer. It's my thing. 
and you don't have to stress about it ever again. I'm going to give you all the answers. Can we meet tomorrow at this time? He spent four hours with me, brought his laptop, opened up his old back end of his course infrastructure and said, Best, better news is you spend about just one-tenth <coughs> of what you're spending now to actually have this better infrastructure and you will be in control of it. You don't have the key man risk of a website that you are begging to update and all of that. And that's what I've done. This is how I do it. I was almost crying that day. I was like, what? Is this how God works? And I didn't even want to go to the resorts that week, right? Because I had meetings scheduled in the office. And I remember just reaching my EA and saying, move all my meetings to, you know, this new date. I just feel like I need to be alone. And that's where I met him. It's just so powerful. It's like, it's like the thing blew my mind so much. I'm like, so why will a person live their life without God? Why will you try to do the vision without God, right? And I feel like sometimes people try to do the vision without God because they feel they are more competent than God. They are, they are more competent than God in that sense. Like, does God really understand supply chain? This is something I have a certification in, right? And it comes from having a religious thinking. A religious thinking is different from a spiritual thinking. Let me give you the basic difference. If you never forget this, it's going to shape how you serve God's vision. So a religious thinking thinks of God within the context of church or religious activities or the mosque. They think God is just an archaic spirit out there who doesn't have contemporary understanding, who, is not, who, who doesn't have you know, relevance in, in thought to how the world today is structured. A spiritual thinking sees God in everything, recognizes that God understands the framework of society, systems, institutions, technology, and pathways, that God knows everything, and that he can decompose a revelation into a, into a framework that is relevant for my industry. That's a spiritual thinking. And those who have a spiritual thinking will go far with God, because that's the true meaning of honoring God. God in everything not God in something. God is the creator of everything, right? So, yeah, um, that is still just speaking to one. The first thing, start to pray consistently. Ask for divine assistance. Ask for staying power and ask for finishing strong. Staying power is a spiritual thing, right? If I start anything, except God actually says, back off. Or I sense that it's not its time because I do sense that sometimes like this vision is not yet right. And you know when you're testing Agbalomo that it's not right, you will not get the best of it. So I back up and I start to say, okay, so what preparations can I do in the back end before we can launch this? Um, but if God puts anything in my mind, if there's a vision brewing, ah, I'm, I'm there. I'm not going anywhere. I'm there. And it's, it's not necessarily personality. It's primarily first about that gift of staying power. God can give you staying power. Ask for it. Staying power. Let me tell you what you don't know. Mm, that's not it. You know all things. Let me tell you something you're not paying attention to. That's why you're thinking staying motivated, staying consistent, staying disciplined is just a coaching conversation that did you answer this question for me? Whenever you receive a vision, Whenever a purpose is birthed in your heart, an idea. And don't forget, spiritual thinking understands that every idea that continues to push at your heart again and again, your brain is get, getting stronger. Every idea that is entering into your heart to make a difference, to serve the world, to create a change, 
and which didn't sometimes even necessarily come in a spiritual way, like my daughter, my daughter. Spiritual thinking, understand that it has come from God. It entered your heart because God put it there, especially when you have a growing relationship with him, right? And so here's the deal. What you don't understand is when you start to have a vision, you've set goals, things that you, ah, I should do this thing. God is, it's burning on your heart. You're waking up, you're waking up with those ideas. It's shining like light in your heart. The moment you say, yes, I want to work on it, you start to get attacked. But you don't know. You think people only get attacked when they do ministry or if they have family generational causes or if they're in spiritual warfare or if their neighbor is a witch. That's, that's how you think people get attacked. The moment a visionary says yes to an idea that can change the world and they want to submit that agenda to God and say, you've put this in my heart, use it. I want to create a change in education. I want to fix this drug addiction among young people. I want to serve your purpose in healthcare. I want to make a difference with environmental degradation. I want to use entrepreneurship to, you know, to provide for the needy. The moment you say yes, and you start to work on it, you start to get attacked, right? And if you've not read Firebrand Forerunners, I don't know you. You're not my friend. I've never met you. You have to go and get this book. Because writing it, when I get a good job, some people are showing me their copy. If you've not gone for it, I don't know. And I, I can't talk about it a lot because it's my book. Before you think I'm trying to make you buy. I shared about the, the, the I, I think the seven ways that the enemy tries to fight you. He tries to fight you by discouragement. He tries to fight you by diminishing you. He tries to fight you by deceiving you. He tries to fight you by distracting you. He tries to fight you by you know, destroying you. He tries to fight you. So you think you're not just interested again. You're not just gingered again. You're taking a nose dive in your energy. The enemy is attacking you. And you, you are, you know, because you have a religious mindset, you think attack is where you woke up from a dream. And your mother-in-law said, I will show you, I will frustrate your life. No. What used to excite you isn't exciting you again so that you can be quietened as far as that vision is concerned. When I started to get overwhelmed, everything is meant to be available. Everything is meant to be working. My team is ginger. Everybody wants to make it work. And all of a sudden, I'm just tired. I would just be like, ah, okay, well, I need you to be a bastard. No problem. I know what to do. I back off and I go into the prayer place. And then I go back to my journal, the things God has said. I begin to scream it out. I begin to say, I'm going to stand through till the end. My eyes will see what my, my heart has seen. My eyes will see what my heart has seen. It's warfare, right? And it takes a spiritual mindedness to understand this. You can get it on my website. You can get the book on my website at debalakumi.com. We're going to remember to, yeah, the e-copy is available. We're going to remember to put the link in the email that will come to you after this session. So that I've talked to you about the first thing, the power of prayer. The second thing is the recognition of what is called the foreigner's fight or the visionary's fight. You are in a fight. Distraction, discouragement, diminishing. Where I just feel like, am I the person for the job? I'm too small. You had problems getting our books online. Okay, we will send it to you as a PDF. Just send an email. I'll work it out for you. So the enemy is going to try to attack you. Distraction is a big attack. Indiscipline is a big attack. And I'm going to break something down to you about discipline that I believe would radically shape how you operate going forward. So those are two things 
that are foundational. If you don't get them right, anything I say next to you is useless, right? Those are two things. Yes, thank you, Bumi Odoa. We are now in the studio recording um, our books into audio version. So give us till about June and you should have a number of our books, especially the Firebrand series on Audible. I'm looking forward to that myself. And yeah, just exciting news. So those are fundamental things. I want you to pay attention to how you pray, those three things you pray about, and I hope you caught it. And the fact that you're in a visionary spot. The enemy is going to try to attack you. That's the second thing. The third thing, which is pulled out from this, right, which I want you to start to pay attention to as well, is that everybody has their own unique triggers that sidetrack them and sidestep them. We all have it. You must understand yourself enough. If you're looking for focus, you must know what steals your focus. What steals Lisa's focus? What steals Ife's focus? What steals Toby's focus? What steals Adenero's Adenero's focus? It's not necessarily what steals mine. What steals Elizabeth's focus is not necessarily what steals mine, right? So the enemy is not going to try to distract us with the same thing. So you need to know what your trigger points are. Your trigger points are areas of your life where you are extra sensitive because that thing matters a lot to you. Your trigger points can be areas of your life where you feel very vulnerable, where you feel ill-prepared, where you feel where you are most touchy because you feel disqualified or there's a weakness in that area. So you need to, you know, many times when we're trying to be focused, we understand just our, um, we focus on just trying to mask our weaknesses, but listen closely to me. Trigger point. Uluwatosin, send us an email. Right, everyone who said I'd love to volunteer for the recording. If you have a great voice and you speak clear English and you don't have age factor, uh, yeah, because we don't want I will hit Hag in the evening because my name is Hadebola Hadeo, you know, you know. So if you know that you have fantastic voice, uh, someone said I'm a news uncle, bam, bam, bad <laughs> So just do us an email and we'll be happy to take um, the conversation forward. Info at immerseinnercircle.com. I don't even trust my own voice. I just want to do the, um, just the introductions. I, I, you know, I don't think my voice is that sweet. So if you know your voice is sweet, please, if we tell you to, to send a recording, we now, we now start to hear baritone voice, ba- baritone voice. Please, I will not find this one because you are making me say that your voice is, is better. Okay, so let me stop looking at the chat so I can focus. You're sending me too many chats at the same time, okay? So you have to, the, the third thing I'm saying to you is that third thing I've talked about what you should pray for, understanding where the attack is. Yes. The third thing here is you must understand what your triggers are. We all have triggers that sidetrack us from our ability to focus. I, and I'm still going to come to discipline, but I want to talk about distraction now. We, we have what sidetracks side us from our ability to focus. And I'm going to share five big things that often come into people's lives right, or happens to you or starts to show up and you shift fully from that vision that you set your mind on. After I answer this, I'm going to go, after I say this, I'm going to go quickly to what you can do to keep a sharpened focus, right? Um, So five things that often sidetrack you from your vision, from your focus, from what you are gazing on. If you are married, your marriage, right? 
it's a like this is almost like 100% of or 95% of married women it happens a lot and it's not like the enemy is trying to use your your husband against you or something right but it just feels like when you are taking a go at something you want to crack that's when our guy is upset about something, saying that you're not paying enough attention. What is this thing? I know there are some wives who have to do a lot of explaining to their husbands how they've been on one call with one woman. Is that what she's teaching you? Doesn't she have a husband? Is her husband always waiting for her? Yeah, all those sort of things, right? Or you're always going to this meeting with this DDK. Are you telling me that this DDK holds all these meetings? Ah, what is she using for her husband that he is not angry? Ah, this is not proper. Right? It looks like when you're trying to be focused, setting your gaze on something, you want to build this thing clearly, is when this guy just has a problem with it. And it's a big, it can be like a big side tracker, a big side stepper for many, many women. You have to begin to negotiate afresh. Let me tell you what, if you don't introduce a new season you are entering to your husband, you are trying to tell him that he's not your partner and you can do whatever you want with yourself. And you're going to make your life very difficult for your own self, especially in the African context. So you're stepping into a new growth season. You emphasize what you'll be needing. You are stepping into a new um, goal that you've set and you want to work on. You emphasize what that demand might look like. And you have a conversation. You have a conversation where you are negotiating, asking for his support. Now, there are cases where people are married to things, to clowns and to idiots. I'm not talking to you. That one is different. You need different counsel. You need different coaching and counseling conversation. I'm saying a man who is, who is kind, who is good. He might have his own drama, but averagely, he wants you to thrive. He's not seen as competition. He's not standing against you. Do you get this? So if, if at least you're married to a decent human being, he might have his own challenges like you have yours, but he, he wants you to be okay, wants you to do good for yourself. You must have those conversations. You must demonstrate. Yes, someone said different approaches to different situations. Yes. So you must have those conversations. And how you have your conversation is based on who you are married to and what you know works. But that conversation will sort of happen. I've started this project or I've been thinking about this thing and I feel like, you know, I'm going to start to need some coaching, some researching. If you join the Immersing Asset, you know your husband is going to have drama with it. You want to, you want to talk about it before you signed up. You may even ask, which one should I sign up? Do you think if I got this swift to my, is it not too expensive? That's all you'll be talking about. You don't sound as if you have made up your mind. What do you think? Maybe I should start with Superman. So it's not, you should even test it a bit. You'll be saying we. Do you understand? You just have to catch the memo. What do you think? You know your mind that you want to do stretch with DDK, but you know if you tell your husband you want to put 500K to talk to another woman, he's going to officially confirm that you lost your mind. So you'll be trusting him small that let me we should even do this just to see a bit this 15k one. You have those conversations. And I know some settings, there are women who are super independent, they do their stuff with their money. Hey, 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 we hail you. Fine but carry your spouse along. You're going to get into a new season, carry your spouse along and pray about it too. So that's a big thing that sidesteps from focus, right? And always tie those conversations with your spouse with what is in need for them. The reason my husband lets me be is because he knows that 
when I am thriving, I'm better. I say it. They say, uh-uh, you, you want to go on, you want to go to a hotel to, to go and do what? What do you mean you're resting? Am I dist- are we disturbing you? I'll be like, hey, let me go. You know, when I come back now, you know what I can do for you? You know, my, I will now be all the, all this shoulder muscle that is paining me. My brother, they say, let me do it. I said, no, don't worry. Let me go to spa and rest when I come back. Do you see? And every time I keep my promise. So it's sort of like, mm, let this girl go and rest because she will be okay better. Because you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of the world. And you also have to sell that, that I need to be whole. I need to be in the right frame of mind so that I can be my best for you. But you, when you are in your right frame of mind, you are not delivering value where value is needed. You are not doing what you're supposed to do. How do you know? Who not support you? You get it. So um, ensure you're not distracted so that the places where you can you know, the places where you can give keen attention, you're not being sidetracked. So marriage is there, your children are there, and that's why you need not just to get a support system. You need to train your support system to be you when you are not there. So what do we watch in this house? Because it's distracting when you are chasing vision and you hear your child saying, you know, speaking a foul language, right? you all of a sudden feel like you failed. And the reason is you didn't teach your caregiver. Your, your caregiver has not been enculturized into the culture of your home. And those are conversations that must happen. And you don't have them as instructions. You have them as negotiations. You don't say, Cecilia, in our house, we don't say you're stupid. That's not, if you hear the child say you're stupid, you must correct them. No, that's not what works. Because when you leave, they do what they want to do. You have conversations. Cecilia, talk to me. What kind of home do you want to have when you grow up? Talk to me about your childhood. Where did you grow up? How were things? How are your parents? You have conversations. It's inside conversations you'd be like, ah, I remember when we were growing up. My mom would always say, don't say this. Now I understand. Can you see how things are happening now? Do you get? That's how you'd be having those conversations. Integrating values into gist. They are a part of your family. If you alienate them, you are alienating your children. Because they are a stronger influence in some instances than you when you go to work and you're there for many hours, right? You want a learning system to be integrated to your, for your children. You set it up, you print it, and you do reviews every week. And you can even peg money. Let's say your caregiver is to earn 30K normally. And you know it's not a problem for you to put another 5K on it. It doesn't mean that much to you, but it can change the game because it means the world to them. You can say... Every week, if you achieve this for me, I'll give you 1K. You knew all the while that 35K is no problem for you. I'll give you 1K every week if you can do this for me. So Saturday, you sit with the performance sheet. Did um, the children have their learning review at this time? Did, did we go through the book of Esther this time? You took it. Ah, high five. Ah, you didn't do enough. Okay. That means I'll give you 8 over 10. That's 800 naira. Okay. At the end of the month, I'm going to give you 2 for extra. Then you now add another 1K credit. It seems small, but it's epic in their minds. Ah, this auntie is generous. In my case, I can do more. I'm telling you, I said to myself many times that my caregivers at home, some of them are more valuable to me than my staff in the office. So if I can pay my staff this, I don't have a problem. I can put this on my caregiver. It's that important to me. So in this COVID time, I've sent good money to their, to their family members. Give me mommy's uh, credit, Abby. Give me mommy's bank accounts. She must not be stressed at this time because she can't even sell in the market. Eh? Oh yeah, let me just wire something. 
10,000 is nothing to me, but they are holding your leg. It's touching them so much. Mommy is calling. She's praying. It's almost turning to something. I say, Mommy, don't worry. God bless you too. It's nothing to you, right? For some of you, you, you know how to send big money to your pastors. You don't know how to send to the parents of your caregiver. But you, want, you will now say you're stressed out about your children. Be wise. Jesus died for your sins. Right? So it's, it's, just, it's just what it is. Um, and enable your support system to support you. Because if your children are stressed out, it's going to sidestep you. And you're not going to be able to serve that vision. And then beyond the support system, think about other things that stress you out. When your children fall sick. So what can you do differently? Can you introduce more foods? Can you reorganize how they eat? Can they have more, you know, nutrient-enabled meals? Can they exercise? Can they drink a lot more water? Can you cut sugar? Because you're emphasizing that I need them healthy. I need them strong. Do you see? What, yeah, I can go on and on, but I don't want to deepen the conversation too much because I want to, I want to be done at 12. I want to be done just before 12. And Lisa knows why. Lisa knows why I want to be done before 12. There's, a, there's an inside joke there. And if you pay me some dollars, I will, I will give you the inside joke. By the way, Olayemi Professor, I love your attention. Like you have just been where you are, just taking it in calmly. I love you. And I look forward to connecting with you deeper beyond this time. So that's the second thing that can sidetrack you. The third thing that, that can sidetrack you is money. Money, 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 money matter. And I'm not a money coach, so I'm not even going to try to go into that conversation. But there are a few things that um, I would just love to mention as far as money is concerned. You really, really have to adapt this thing of shrinking your, your um, I don't want to use what shrinking, coordinating or constricting your lifestyle to the reality of your income, not your future income and not what you have on your vision board. Some people get stressed out when they didn't need to be stressed out because they were generally trying to, you know, serve, service a lifestyle that was beyond their income. And it's just needless stress. When we were not at a level, we we're not at that level. Even when we got to a different level, we we're even still living beneath what we could afford at that level. Because I don't know who you are proving a point to. Right? If I buy my house in, on the mainland, and it's, not, it's, still, it's an area where it's still becoming, still becoming. After it, ah, still becoming. You see that petrol station, you will now turn, still becoming, right? I'm better than a person who is renting an apartment in Lekiwun. Because I'm not trying to prove a point. It's my house. And when we are now able to buy a house in Lekki One, as an example, by the way, I don't live on the mainland, I'm just using that as an example. But if you live on the mainland, you're even better. Like, life on the mainland is very sweet and chilled and the air is, the atmosphere is, is nice. Um, so let's say that you are, you are at a level of life, a level of income. You and your spouse, you and your siblings, whoever you're living with, must agree together. They are going to organize your lifestyle within the constrictions of your income at that level. And then planning, what am I going to need this month? What do we require to survive this month? What am I able to put aside? What am I able to save? 
So I'll just say a bit more personal finance. And if there's already existing debts, that's again a different conversation. I'm not sure I have all those answers. But I do know that you have to pay attention to what money can do to you and also fix your money mindset. Because some people stress out on, about money when money is not even a problem. You know, if you have a scarcity mentality and you have 8 million in your bank account, you're still going to be stressed compared to someone who has an abundance mentality and has 800K in their account. I know this to be true. If you have an abundance mentality, you're going to know that there's more from where that came and this is not where I'm always going to be. You're going to know those sort of things that if I ever need anything, to fulfill a vision God has put in my heart, it will actually come. You'd have all those thoughts coming alive in you. If you have a scarcity mentality, no matter what you have, they're still going to feel what will happen in the future. I have to hold on to what I have. What if I can't end again? What if things change? You're going to be permanently terrified. Right? So I do know that that's a third thing that, you know, can sidetrack you from focusing on your vision and you have to be able to deal with it. The fourth thing is your work. If your vision is not, um, how do I describe that? If you have a day job and you are working on an assignment by the side, you're working on a, a vision, a project, an idea by the side. I know this one a lot. Some people call it like having a side gig and your side gig is like very important to you. It's vision, it's powerful. You want to work on it, it's, it means the world to you, right? Um, but you have a day job and it can, it can, it can just, it can be like a tricky thing. And you also want to be an ethical person. It can be a super, super, super tricky thing. You want to give to your organization what your organization deserves and you still want to work on yours on the side. And that's just a time matter. I do know people who dedicate two hours um, before bedtime to just paying attention to their own vision. Now, what people often think is if I spend 45 minutes on an idea or on my own vision, um, how quickly am I going to get to where I'm going? Truth is 45 minutes every day, five times a week will get you faster than someone who dedicates five hours once every week or, or once every two weeks. So it's just important. Don't worry about, I don't have all the time. Worry about consistency. Worry about frequency more than volume. Be concerned more about frequency more than volume. If you are in a paid job and are struggling to give attention to you know, your own idea on the side, I would say three things to you. Worry about frequency more than volume. Dedicate some time on a daily basis or almost an everyday basis to that assignment. Number two, use money to buy comfort. So get yourself an intern. I don't know why people don't do this a lot. And it's also just a scarcity mentality thing. Or no, it's not a scarcity mentality thing. It's more like a grasshopper mentality. People just think it's people like Lisa, who are big girls in the UK, who can afford an intern, right? But if you get a smart person who is a youth call member, you can pay them 15K. You can pay them 10K because it's remote working. They are serving where they are serving. They do have time because they are teaching in one school and it's home economics twice a week. And they are, they are getting paid from the school. If it's a private school, they are getting paid their allowance. And it's just a 10 or 15 k thing. And you probably have that. And you might be saying, I don't have that much money. They are not ready to put something aside for the vision. So maybe instead of buying 
mama cass at work in in alagomeji you start cooking and taking to work so you can remove some more money and pay for an intern i just have someone who can support you someone is saying here getting an intern saved me it's powerful and you just start to create templates for them work with this on a weekly basis let's see how far we get and they can manage your research yeah someone says i buy her daily uh data monthly and I pay her a stipend, it's powerful. And that extra income is something for them, okay? So I would say that is something you can do that can really help you if you feel like your job or you're pressed for time and stressing you out. The fifth and final one of the many that are possible distractions that I want to share with you is um, social distractions. And under that, I lump everything from you're gisting too much, um, you are constantly on social media, you have gossipy, gossipy friends or even gossipy, gossipy sisters, you know, or you have a gossipy, gossipy flatmate, just social distractions. And yeah, people just get sunk into that unseriousness. And they will say things like, I beg, no, I beg, I don't feel myself. Everything's not that hard. Okay, choose your heart. Choose your heart. You had better work hard now and be relevant in the emerging new world order or just be seeming like you're strolling from 1841 so it's it's your choice social distractions really side side track people right you're on instagram too long on facebook too long on twitter too long and um sometimes people start out saying they want to research on something a new idea is popping they won't know when they now got to linda ikeji by mistake and stella dimis I, I don't know how to pronounce the name well. They won't know how they enter that place. And they'll be there reading comments for hours. Bella Niger, for hours. And even Bella Niger is peeping out of, she's removing her hand from the computer to slap you that go to bed, my friend. Or go and work on what you say you want to work on. Right? So social distractions are big and you have to know what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's talking about, um, about um, okay, someone says, I'm looking for an intern to take off all my admin, then put it up, put it up on social media. You'll be shocked. Uh, but remember to create a different careers email address or else you'll be bombarded and have a, prepare already your person specification, what you're looking for and set up a simple test that will help you filter clowns because there are so many clowns. Um, apologies to sound rude, but I've seen a lot. I've, I've asked someone about project management since that was she studied at master's level. I said, tell me more about project management. Um, yes, I'm going to go to the indiscipline part and we'll now tie it up. And she said, ah, project management is simple. As we're sitting here, is a project. Taking your bath is a project. Brushing your teeth is a project. Everything we're doing, life is a project. I said, ah, okay. Life is a project. We'll see you later. Oh, yeah, Emma, come on, be going. Right? Because <laughs> I said I should stop it. I'm being serious. The month I said, you talk to me a little bit about project management. Still putting up my interview voice. She just sat up confidently. She said, uh, that's, no, that's easy. You see, in life, everything is a project. I was just sitting here now is a project. Brushing our teeth is project. Working to work is project. Having a birth is project. I said, okay. She said, even life is a project. I said, come and be going. You are a project. Honestly, because. Please, I want to be serious. I don't like this. This is not who I want to be tonight. Let me put on my seriousness. Uh -huh. Let's round this up. So let me tell you the two, three things I want to share with you. And I'm going to be quick on this one because I've now become playful and I'm gisting. And this is not funny anymore. Okay? Let's talk a bit about 
discipline or indiscipline. Nobody in the world is disciplined. Forget it. We don't have it in our wiring to be disciplined, right? Nobody want to be disciplined. We are wired to love pleasure. The, the nerves that come alive in the brain are supremely more when they are sending sensations of joy, sensations of pleasure, than when they are sending sensations of pain or discomfort. We want to have fun, right? We want to enjoy ourselves. We come alive when we find something we love, when we find something we enjoy. That is why to open your Bible and read it for 20 minutes is like grinding sand. You'll be standing up as if they're pinching you. You'll be sitting, you'll be yawning. you eat cucumber, you drink water. You will come back, you sit down, you put your head, you stand up, you say, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, I'm trying. But if it's to be on Netflix, you watch uh, Mama CJ Walker, yeah? And you keep going on and you can be on a series the entire night. It's just reality. Nobody got it in them to be naturally disciplined, right? And the whole concept of becoming successfully disciplined is around three powerful things and is backed by psychology. Number one, and I'm going to say the sweetest one, that is like my personal sweet secret last. But number one on the journey to discipline is systems, routines. We don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems, right? Now, in the beginning of systems, it is, is boring, is uninteresting. And that first time, right? So that, that initial process of stepping into and mastering a system is uncomfortable, and I agree. And that's the one you have to try on. But the moment you move from when your system is just a routine on paper to when it now becomes habitual practice, that's where the winning power is. So nobody was born trying to be super, super disciplined, right? And just having all the muscles and just all the mental rigor and stamina to say, I will do it when I want to do it. No, that's not really how we're wired. That's not really how we, we give our best. If you can create systems in your life that allow you do something that you really want to do, that moves you in the direction of your vision, the goal is not for you to even achieve it 100% of the time. If you set a system to do something daily that moves you closer to your vision and you are able to do it five out of 10 times, six out of 10 times, seven out of 10 times, you would actually succeed. Because without that system that gets you doing it four out of 10 times, three out of 10 times, no matter how low, without that system, you may not even be doing it as much as that at all. And you'll just be having random experiences of bouts of inspiration. One morning out of, in a month, maybe two mornings, you just wake up and you're excited and you work on it, right? Whereas if you had a system and you were achieving it even to 40% of the time, in a month, what would that come to? 40% of a month. What would that give us? That would be about 12 days of a month. That would give you 40% of a month. It's 12 days in a month. You would have done it. Wouldn't that be powerful? Am I right? 40%? No, 12 times. That would be 12 times in a month. And that's extremely sweet stuff. Do you see this? So you must create a system. You must look at your life and integrate what you want to do.
So I'm working on this vision. And this is where the hard work is. We all say we have a vision, but you don't have a vision until your vision has been cascaded into an action plan. You have a floating concept that is floating not just in your mind, but in many minds. Let me tell you something about God because an investor and he's not a time waster. As he's telling you, he's telling others, it's whoever catches it and runs with it. Have you ever seen a situation where God put something in your heart, you were into your journal, you were excited about it, like, wow, wow. And a year down the line, you see someone else has achieved it with the same name, almost the same logo, the same color. And you're like, what? This thing came to my mind. Yeah, God was looking for who was going to pick and run with it. Do you see this? So nobody got consistency like that, but systems really power things. So you're going to break it down. What is this big idea on my mind? What is this thing that I say I want to do with skincare? What is this thing that I say I want to do with media? What is this thing that is blowing in my mind for the youth, for teenagers? Where is this future that I see it going? And you now start to say, in that big vision, what do we want to get done in six months, in three months? If this thing is going to be done in three months, what can I be doing on a weekly basis? Even if you create just a weekly action plan, wow, that's a fantastic beginning, right? So you must now set that action plan in a way that it triggers a reminder. That's the next level of a system. A system begins with decompose the vision and say, what can we begin to do on a daily basis? What can I do on a weekly basis? That by the end of three months, because this is how people just have all this big, in, in six months, I want to do this. And six months come, you haven't done it. You haven't done it because except you break it down into every day, small, small, nothing will happen. And I know this is the hard part, but this is how discipline becomes automated. So every time my husband says, you are so disciplined, I was just like, eh, I'm not really disciplined. I've just, I've just, I'm not that disciplined. I would prefer to be watching a movie right now. Who want to be talking, talking? Look at me. Look at my speech. It's dried up. You think I want to be talking to women and we say, he's something. Boy, yeah, I've just created the system. Part of creating system is go ahead and put it on Zoom and announce it. You don't want to embarrass your purpose that people are waiting for you. Do you get this? So what am I saying here? Start with the system and how you systemize things in your life is number one, decompose the vision or decompose the idea and say, what, what do I want to be doing every day or every week, right? Number two, create accountability around it. First, personal accountability. Second, joint accountability. Personal accountability is set an alarm. Let me remind you, my husband says, he calls me alarmist because I have alarms for many things. In fact, before I went into this meeting, I had to mute all the alarms because at least four would have gone off. Right? Set alarms. Um, then do joint accountability. Find a person who you say to, um, by the end of this month, I must have done this. Please be on my case. Support me. Or let's just have a review together at the end of the month. And sometimes I do my proteges, people who I will be embarrassed to say I haven't worked on it. Do you understand? That's, that's, that works for me a lot. For systemization also, I often put out information about what I'm doing next in my vision long before I am ready, long before I feel ready to do it. But it's already out there. Hey guys, May 2nd, we're migrating to a new platform. You're going to love it. It's hanging over me. So I got to work. Let me tell you how I wrote Firebrand, the very first one, because I felt so disqualified, unqualified to write it. So I started writing and it was getting slow. 
And I said, I'm going to get this book out in October of 2017. All this jagga jagga behavior, I'm going to stop it. Let me tell you what I did. I actually went ahead and printed a card that had the last Saturday, the last Thursday in October 2017, inviting the distinguished presence of people to come, right? I paid for four points by Sheraton Hotel and paid for meals for I think 70 people. And I invited my mentors, Mrs. Adenowo, my pastors, everybody, told them that, you know, this book is going to be launched on this date. You don't get, I didn't do it when I had finished writing the book and I was impressed. I did it when I was still typing the book. So it created a pressure that nothing else could have created in my life. This is not confession anything. I paid. People know that they're meant to come on that day. Four points by charity is not going to remove my money. My husband was like, are you crazy? Like, how, why would you even do something like this? I said, don't worry, it's going to give me the results. And the reason I could also do it was because I, yeah, yeah, I felt disqualified and I did it. Yes, there are so many things I do like that. Sometimes, even when I'm getting on a coaching call, I'll be like, what do I have to say? I still felt it today. I will be like, God, I need your help. Just help me. <sighs> what am I going to say? What? It happens all the time. It happens a lot. So when people say, I don't know why they don't believe it, but it happens to me a lot. I'll pray. Sometimes I'll cry. I'll be like, Jesus, just use me. I'm so scared. But I'll do it. And even sometimes when I feel like I didn't do such a great job, I'll forgive myself. I'll be like, I have more opportunities. I'll do another one. It'll be better. Right? Yes, yes. I'm waiting for the fish frying book. Why are you guys always jamming my vision? I'm working on it. It's going to be launched November of this year. Um, so that group accountability is powerful. Um, then there was a third thing I wanted to share with you. I can't remember it right now. Mm, but let me just run from it. So we've talked about the prayer. We've talked about understanding where the attacks come from. We've talked about um, sustaining your vision by knowing what site tracks you. Then we're on the fourth thing saying... Nobody want to be disciplined, but you have to, you have to create an architecture that gets you into discipline. And the first of it is systems that you create, right? The second of it is to tie the things that you love into the things you are called to do. That's why God often uses our talents. There are things you love, right? The moment your mind starts to associate an activity with fun, you are going to get greater results with it. That's how I grew discipline with my scripture study, for example. I got a Bible whose translation I enjoy. I got a journal that, is, that was really pretty. And I got colored pens. Where are they? If my, my son hasn't taken the one I have on the table. Yeah, I, I use this kind of pens. This thing is just like a simple secret. It gets me writing. You know this, this inky, nice, cute pen? I don't use, uh, uh, what are they called? All those funny pens, Eleganza Bayro. No, no, I don't. I use this 90% of the time. I like it inky, right? So when I have my journal, I love my Bible. I love how my Bible looks. It's pretty. It's, it's really pretty. I love it. And it's big prints. Ah, oh, gosh. So when I, oh, gosh, I was just like, I want to write because I have a beautiful handwriting, I hope, and I enjoy writing. So I would just say to that, gosh. But some of you, your, your, your scripture study is so boring because you are using that old KJV they gave you when you are in secondary school. And you are writing with that spiral-bound Tolulokwe words for Luke of 2006. You are bored. Even God is just wondering that 
But what's going on exactly? Do you understand? So there are things you can organize around an activity that begins to feed off an excitement to your mind. And let me tell you what, your mind is controlling you, but you don't know. Your brain is controlling you. All our brains control us. That's why you say you want to lose weight, but you will still love to eat cookies. So how I started to train myself, and I've not even gotten there, but I have a healthier pattern with my eating my lifestyle. And I've tried to, to you know, sort of work on it for the last maybe two, three years. So one of the things I've done is I have organized around healthy eating, things that I enjoy, that when I'm thinking of cucumber, my, my mind, my brain is sending pleasure signals to my mind and I want to do it. That's what makes us do what we do. It's the pleasure signals in the nerve points that our brain pass on. It's those sensations pass to us. Do you understand? So the reason you say I will eat better is that you actually, I will eat better, but you still eat cookies. It's because when you think cookies, your mind interacts with the pleasure and your mind just has this rush and you go for it. And that's why you are stuck on chocolates. That's how addictions are created. If your mind continues to send pleasure sensations about a thing to you, you will soon be addicted to it. I'm addicted to praying. And I don't even feel like I'm a spiritual person because prayer for me is not, it's not, prayer is just, it's just, it's just sweet. It's just gisting. And it enters my day anyhow. An hour can go. I will just get a la dukobari and Ah, as in, I just love to pray. I just pray, pray, pray. Because when I think prayer, my mind sends a pleasure signal. I just, ah, Jesus, I love praying. I enjoy it. I can't start crying because the things that happen when I pray, my God, I'll be, my husband, I'll be in the car and he's driving and sometimes he will just almost be behind me because I won't know when I'll just go. Lord, gosh, I love you. And because my mind is not sending signals when I think prayer to a solemn quiet time when I'm just tired and I'm just like, no, do you understand? I'm not bound by time or space. I just want to commune with my father. So what have I done to my cucumber? I use suya pepe. Forgive me, LD people, if I'm violating the standard, but he's working for me. I use suya pepe on my titus. I put um, um, pear and I put uh, um, sweet corn. Tell me who would want to eat cucumber, my, my sister. Well, I love it because I used to be a suya addict. So I removed the suya, but it still has to, the pepper still has to enter my cucumber. And I will put the fish in bogus. I will sit with it and I'll be full. Do you see? So when I think cucumber, I don't feel like I'm punishing myself. So I want to go for indomie. It doesn't, it doesn't. So, so my husband will be like, this you and this funny thing, you've stayed with it for years. You've eaten cucumber, you've eaten igba. What are you doing? What's this garden egg thing? Because I will take granite with it. And you cannot remove granite. And anybody that has a problem with it, please let, let the Lord forgive you because you are stressing me. I have to eat granite. Do you see? So I'm just saying that this is like one of the biggest secrets in the life of any achiever. Any successful person tells you that there's no discipline anywhere. They just wrap around an essential activity in their life. Some fun, some enjoyment, so that their, their brain begins to tell them, you should do this, you love it. 
you enjoy doing it. You love it. You love it. It makes you feel good. Do you see this? So, and you can use it on other people too. My children love to do some important activities today because it's a principle of association. I've associated that activity with fun and I've associated the post activity after it with fun. So they do it. And when we say it's time to, they want to do it. And they don't know that that's what I'm doing to them, right? And the final thing I want to share with you on this whole discipline thing that is big deal is, ah, you must be your own biggest cheerleader. You must reward yourself. This thing is powerful. Let me tell you this one. Let me tell you this one. Um, how do I say it? It's not deep before you think it's something deep. I used to be very, I used to be very hard. Mm, I don't know if hard is the word, but I used to be very forthright and say it as it is, just, you know. Please give me an example of how you make an activity fun for your child. Um, so three things with reading as an example, right? We have what is called reading circle in our house. My daughter didn't like to read before because just, uh, I know it, I know it. She's, she's like, she's, she's almost a genius. She's super smart. And she just believes like, mm, I, I know it. So I will read it at my own time. I always remember anything I read. I don't have to study that much. So we started to have reading circles. Reading circles, and everybody has their own day. You know, Keton has a reading circle day. On that day, you're going to take a book of your choice. Everybody has to sit around the table. If you choose, you can climb on the table because my son loves, my, my son loves attention. So he has to climb. It has to be the center of everything. So you can climb, you can sit in the center, we'll be around you, watching you, and you read out of it. And you use it to practice your elocution. You speak like a prince, you speak like a princess, right? And everybody must be quiet. And that quiet is that I also have lollipop for the younger one who wants to talk right when other people are talking. So you just wave lollipop again, like don't forget, if you don't cooperate, no lollipop. So you keep it back. So you start, you, you use it, you try elocution, you can read a story, whatever excites you. Then you ask, you are permitted to ask us any question. And anybody that doesn't get the question that you ask from the book is not going to have playtime. We're going to tie your bicycle to the chain and you will not play. So they associate getting the answers right to also having fun, right? And then we have these star boards where we put, you know, champion stickers and all that for whose reading circle was fun that week and they can get the bad food that they want. So it can be pizza, it can be pancakes, something I don't want them to have a lot. If you are a champion for your reading circle, you get to choose what you want and we'll give you. Of course, even that one, I still regulate it to three choices, five choices, then you choose. It's still me controlling it, but you think you're the one controlling it, just as an example. And when we say reading circle, everybody's like, yeah, they wanna do it. And now they love to read more. So we go out. So if, if I leave them and I'm working in the study and I say, guys, it's time to read. They're not running around many times because they really want to read. They want to share with me. They want to try elocution. They want to sound like prince and princess. It works. And it doesn't mean we get it right every time. There are still times they run around and I choose, I win my battle. Sometimes I'll be like, should I stress them? Should I let them be? Sometimes I'll just be like, guys, can you see mommy is letting you have fun today because you always cooperate. So it's fine. Right? Because even me, I didn't want to keep myself. I'm not trying to be a perfect mom. That's not my goal. I'm trying to be a, um, an effective mom. I'm trying to be an authentic mom. 
and I'm not fixated on any principle. And I'm not saying this because I feel like I have all the answers, but I'm trying things and those that work, work for me. So back to the third thing I was sharing with you, you must be your own cheerleader and you must celebrate the growth you are accomplishing. So if you, if, so I was given an example, I can't even remember what it was, but let's say you, you want to work at a project and you want to dedicate so, so time every week to work on it for the next three months. You can say to yourself that at the end of three months, if you successfully achieve this thing and you give it the time it deserves, you are going to buy yourself a dress, right? And you can be eyeing that dress. You can look at it. You can check it out again. You can even tell them to keep it for you because you're coming back. Or you can, you can say that you're going to take yourself on a vacation. And it doesn't have to be anything expensive. But you can make that commitment that based on the success you achieve with an activity, you are going to reward yourself. And I feel like that thing works for me. Some, I, and I have a lot of self-respect. I can see now that some people don't have a lot of self-respect. What self-respect means to me is I take myself seriously. If I say I'm going to do something just for the respect I have for myself, I don't like to look myself in the, look myself in the eye and, and see that I just frivolously wasted that time. Right? I don't like it. I'll be like, ah, uh -uh, you know better now. Don't, don't be a beef. You know, you can do better. Don't be a beef. So I have self-respect. I feel like some people don't have self-respect. They don't take themselves very seriously. I take myself very seriously. I believe that I'm such a weighty investment, investment in the eye of God. I believe that, me, yeah, I shall take myself seriously. And I think it's also got to do with the sense of identity and all of that. If I commit to something, I don't want to give myself excuses. I don't, I don't respect my mentors more than I respect myself. I respect myself. I don't want to give myself excuses. So sometimes that's why I can sufficiently be my own accountability partner. But the third thing I've shared, I believe it works a lot for me. It keeps me consistent. I don't consider myself disciplined, but I get my results um, because God gives me staying power. And I also reward myself. I actually also reward myself. Um, okay, Chet is saying, I used to be so hard. Yeah, like very forthright. I just say what I was on my mind. Like, I don't mean to hurt you, but this is what I believe to be the truth, right? And I still use it when, when it's um, relevant. But I started to say to myself in 2017 that I, I don't want to be like that with people that I love very deeply because I started to discover what I didn't know for a long time, that people take me seriously, that my own community take me seriously, my family members take me seriously, they love me, what I say matters a lot to them. They'll say things like, ah, did you care? I, I, um, I, you know, I didn't know you thought that way about me, it means a lot to me. So I was like, hey, okay, maybe I should be like kinder, more tender. And I wanted to start to try it actively in my marriage. Even though I asked my husband, do you think I'm too, hard or forthright or do I sound? And he said, no, I think you're okay. But my husband is super crazy about me. So sometimes his feedback would just be nice and insight. So I asked God, I was like, God, what do you think? Do you think that I am? He said, yeah, you can be more tender. You can actually work on that. <laughs> so I said to myself that I'm going to rehearse a lot of things before I say them. And I'm going to be on purpose a lot more tender. And I said in 2007 that if at the end of the year, I asked my husband and I said, am I more tender? Do you feel like my words come out with a lot more love? That if he said yes, 
um, sorry, am I right? No, 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 sorry. This was 2018. And I said, if in December of 2018, he says, yeah, you are a lot more tender. You know, your words come out a lot more love. You pay more attention to emotions, to my emotions, when you're like, like, all of that, that I was going to buy myself a new car. I said I was going to change my car in 2019 if I achieved that goal. That's what I said. So I asked him at the end of the year, sorry, before the end of the year, by himself, he said, well, what's going on with you? Like, you are sweeter. You're like way sweeter. And I know that there were times when, many times when I would want to say that thing, just the way it is like, oh God, what is this? And I will remember that, no, that's not who you want to be. That's not how you want to sound. And by himself, he was just like, what's going on with you? Right? And let me give you the shocker. So by the end of the year, I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy myself a car. I've done amazing. And yours doesn't have to be a car. It can be a dress, can be, can be anything, right? By the end of the year, by the start of the year, so I was going to get myself a car for my birthday. Someone bought me a car for my birthday. Someone gave me an SUV. Absolutely, totally paid for, for my birthday. Well over 10 millionaire. Do you see? So it's also powerful that God can reward you for sticking with the vision. There's a reward for sticking with the vision, right? Character can be rewarded. Absolutely. It's powerful. Okay. So let me stop here because I can go on and on and on and on. But I see that it, it looked like this particular conversation around discipline is something that many people want to learn about. Maybe we can have a session focusing on it um, specifically, but I hope that you found some insights useful. I'm not even sure at a point I just said, am I not rambling like this? But just put your comments uh, in the next two minutes so that we can start to tie this to a close. What is your light bulb moment? What's your biggest light bulb moment from today? And I want to hear from Olayemi Odufeso. Guys, don't be jealous because I've been calling her name a lot. She's right in front of me. She's the first camera I can see um, on the gallery view tonight. Okay. People said I should do discipline. Okay. Oh, you've never had a webinar so insightful. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. And you love the question and answer method, so we should do a lot more of it. Okay. Damlora says it's floodlight. Mm. Joy says there is hard and there is hard, so choose your hard. I love it. I love it. This session was your own biggest highlight from the entire call. Thank you. Uh, Beatrice's best webinar ever. Thank you so much. Nadia says ment mentorship was her light bulb moment. Okay, someone says, I'm never going, Tenola says, I'm no, it's not Tenola. Who said I'm never going to miss? Anuluako says, I'll never miss a coaching call again in my life. So deep, so insightful. I'm happy to hear that. The mentorship part, I love that. Women are so emotional with their goals. That's it for Tenny. Ugochi says, okay, I wasn't rambling. Thank you. The dis different insights were practical for different situations. Character over competence, 100%. Simlulua says, everything was bulby. <laughs> Plenty bass girls, I love you. All the bulbs don't blow. Thank you, valuable feedback. Thank you so much. Erfunke says, the point where you said you could get attacks when following a vision. Yes, 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 yes. So don't just think attacks have to be spiritual. I love it. I love it. Olayemi, thank you. Very insightful session, she says. Thank you so much for your feedback. I'm glad to hear. Damlola says, mentorship is older. 
for me said my light bulb moment is when you said nobody's disciplined because I used to some people are born disciplined. Nope, 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 nobody. Right? Olushala says, choose your heart. Was it for her? Victoria says, the biggest for me is I rise to the level of my system. Yeah, absolutely. Okoyemi says, I can't believe I stayed through the entire call. You fulfilled your promise, my dripping wisdom. I'm glad to hear it. Thank you. Tunu says, even when you felt unqualified, you went ahead. That's major for me. I love it. I love it. Don't tie your book down anymore. Adebambo says, everybody has their own triggers. Oh, wow. Tomisu says, I will. Seriously. Wow. Wow. So much insight on discipline and parenting. I love it. Mentorship is not marriage. Yes, yes, yes. I love that one. Thank you so much, Adenike. Wow. Olada says, Olushala says, discipline for her. Someone says, I need to place more value on myself. Olada says, um, the entire teaching on mentorship. I love it. I love it. So many comments. Over 200 comments freshly coming in. It's just rushing me. Understand your personal power and self-intelligence is someone. Shaka says, there's a visionary path. Yes, absolutely. When God is having you change direction, yeah, it's one of the light bulb moments for you. I'm glad to hear that. The three prayers, yes, were what you needed. I love it. Someone said, I love the parenting part. Thank you. Thank you. Busaya says, was very instructive for her. I'm excited. Elizabeth says, discipline and distractions that come when you're running a vision. So many things. So many things you guys are sharing. The attack pack was eye-opening for someone. Discipline was powerful for her. Self-respect and the reward system. Same power is a spiritual thing. Yeah, you listen again. I'm going to send the link as soon as it's uploaded. Systems, yes. That's signs, three signs that you're manifesting visions happening in your life. I love it. So that's very reassuring for someone. Elizabeth says, thank you. Choose your heart. Big, be your biggest cheerleader. Celebrate the small wins. I'm excited to see how this was used. Fenelas is very insightful. Discipline inside with the bestest. Praying for divine assistance, same power and capacity to finish strong. I love it. I literally glad when you talk about a visionary spike. So good. Thank you so much for the wow. You guys are rushing me. We feedback. I love it. Thank you. I tried ordering vibrant foreigners on the website. It's out of stock. Yes, that's a hard copy. Um, it's out of stock, but we're back in press very shortly. But you can still have the e-copy. Kishi Urala Fade for says we had two hours plus. PDK broke my table of knowledge myself too much. My mentor aren't more important than I am, and I love the the part of taking a husband along. Yeah, don't be too self-sufficient. So good. Judy says for me, get help, have self-respect. Actually, do what you say you do because you respect yourself. Yes, yes, yes. So good. Respect yourself, says Amarchi as well. I need to conserve myself with frequency more than volume. I love it. Consistency is key to vision actualization. So much light bulb moments for self-intelligence and self-respect. Fire for me, says Ayomide Fatou to my beloved protege. Jemima says the prayers were very important for her. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. What steals my focus? What steals your focus steals your energy. Don't forget, I can give that to you for free. Okay, it's been three sizzling hours. Oluwatoin says, the scissors mode, yeah, no sentiments, don't be emotional. Um, but the mother of my baby, says, discipline, staying power, praying for divine assistance. A vision is God's undercover mode to increase your reliance on him. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, guys. I've had a stunning time with you. I've enjoyed every single part of this. Um, some people are still trying to join right now i don't know what to say to you but god is with us all i really really want to thank you for doing this with me for 
Um, just, oh, Debbie, see your long hair. Uh-uh. See my pretty people. Gosh, Temitaya Bikunla, I can see you. I love your headphones. Just been such a great time with all of you. And um, thank you for staying through till the end. Thank you so much. Ah, uh Ejiro, -uh, I love your locks. Ejiro Osadeke. Oh, gosh, I love it. So beautiful. Um, let me see other people in the room before we go. Thank you for joining. So many amazing people in. I can see Tara Kako, the beautiful one. Thank you for joining. Fantastic. Just so excited. I can't see some people's names showing, so I'm sorry I can't call some of you. Aishat Abdurrahim. I'm excited to have you. Thank you so much for being a part. Adewumi, I can see you. You're so pretty. Thank you, Shola, my beloved. I can see you. Gosh, you have such a joyful smile. I love it. I love it. I love it. Fantastic. Um, let me see who's on this side, who's on their lives. Most people don't have their videos on, which is fine. Um, just a few of us have our videos on. Let me see if I can see any other videos. Let me see. Can I see any other videos? Bukola Ola Larry, are you live? Okay, no, she's not live. It's just looking that way to me. Okay, it looks like I've covered the people that I can see live. I love you. Um, I had such a great time. Thank you so much. See me so Adeshola, I can see you. You are really pretty. Gosh. Temitai um, Bikule, you are so sleepy. Don't worry, we'll round up now. I can see Florence, my beloved. Where's my boy? He's here asleep. Okay, he's already asleep. Fantastic. It will know what are you changing and checking on your head? It is well. Ah, the Mariah Para, my beloved. My special somebody. I can see. I've had a great time with you guys. Thank you so much for letting us do this together. And for sure, we're going to be getting the um, recording to you as soon as it's uploaded. Ade Bola Juliana, thank you so much for joining. Your skin is glowing. Janet, all I can see is the dark wall, but all is well. I can see your hand moving. I'm still here with you. Oluchi White, you are on a... Ah, ah, Oluchi, you are looking cozy. Just on a boot pillow. How are you? God bless you guys so much. I had a great time. Let me let you go now. Uh, we were way past... We did three hours, 30 minutes. Guys, what were we saying? And I said I didn't want to enter 12 midnight, but Lisa prayed for me, so I made it through. Thank you so much, and um, see you.